Oh, hi. Welcome to Intimate Discourse. My name is Jason. Today's episode, School Shootings, Gun Laws, and Morrissey, was recorded on June 12th, 2022, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Good day, folks, and welcome to Intimate Discourse. My name is Jason. I'm here with Dimitri. Hello, everyone. Um, today, we are going to be talking about a few different things, but mostly focusing on, um, uh, I guess, firearms in general and a um, knee-jerk resuscitation of a Canadian bill in particular. Um, we... I think to start this, we should probably explain uh, a little bit about, um, for those of you listening, um, you know, for the most part with this show, we're trying to, uh, we are, we are located in Canada um, and we focus some of our stuff on Canadian news and Canadian policies, but a lot of this obviously uh, transcends Canada and a lot of the things that we're discussing are, um, um, similar things are occurring in the United States and in the rest of the Western world. Um, you know, the way this show has sort of is evolving, it seems to be like we're, um, there are a lot of local Canadian things that we're talking about, but we do try to encompass it. Uh, we do try to sort of spread out that, um, um, the topics to include uh, the U.S. as well, um, because uh, while it's, it's, the U.S. has such a huge influence on Canada in the first place that it, it doesn't make sense to speak of Canadian policy in isolation necessarily anyway, but uh, also so those of you listening from the U.S. Uh, can, can all feel included. Um, so, uh, and, you know, no issue is more, uh, uh, you know, I can't think of an issue that would be more... Um, emblematic of uh, some of the few differences uh, that um, exist between American and Canadian policy uh, as that of firearms. Um, in America, you, of course, have the right to bear arms. It is a contentious uh, Second Amendment um, to the Constitution that, um, that, you know, every time there's any kind of school shooting or any um, really any, any shooting anywhere, uh, that is sort of makes the, the mainstream news, um, and gets any kind of wheels, uh, there'll be the, the usual, um, hand wringing in the, in the States with, um, politicians on both sides. It always seems like it's kind of the Democrats will yell, uh, until they're blue in the face, um, saying they want more gun control. And then the Republicans kind of do this little sidestep, uh, you know, uh, never wanting to sort of forcefully say um, that you know they want to that they want to um, institute some gun control because obviously a lot of the people that own guns and support um, the Second Amendment are um, you know will will naturally sort of vote Republican I think uh, sort of certainly overwhelmingly um, so yeah it's an interesting little dance and it's a very difficult issue to talk about I think that. You know, if there's a school shooting anywhere and you have, um, I don't know, I guess not any shooting anywhere, um, particularly school shootings, they're just the sort of the most heinous uh, types of shootings. Um, it, it becomes very difficult to, you know, stand there supporting, um, supporting the existing structure of 
uh, who can buy a firearm and everything because it, you know you, it's very easy for the other side to say like well what well, you don't care about kids or something like that like uh, you're happy to see all these shootings um, and obviously that's a very um, disingenuous argument but uh, sometimes that's what uh, sells in American politics and Canadian politics and just politics um, so I think it's important that we sort of start this thing off with distinguishing between where the American sort of collective psyche is on guns and where the Canadian psyche is on guns. Um, we do not have in Canada any right to bear arms. Um, we don't have anything enshrined in our constitution uh, that I'm aware of that that gives sort of any allowance to do this. I think we evolved, um, you know, as sort of like in many ways as Americans evol evolved as, you know, kind of um, individualistic and um, sort of outdoorsy. So there was certainly in frontiersmen, um, so there was use for, uh, guns in that milieu. Um, but, um, we were not, uh, we didn't have a war of, uh, independence. So we, there's, there, it was like we bifurcated there and America, um, very wisely in some people's opinion. And, um, uh, and I would say in my opinion as well, I'll go out and uh, get that out of the way, um, said that they, that they should have a right to bear arms, uh, enshrined in their constitution. Whereas in Canada, we just never had anything like that. We do have, um, a firearms act. Like there are certain, you can, you can own guns at least so far. Um, but it is a procedure, uh, and, um, you know, we'll get off and I step through a little bit of the process of just of what it does, what it takes to, to own one. Um, and to sort of get your license in Canada. The, the whole process for doing that in Canada is a lot more rigorous and arduous than it is uh, in the United States as well. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, just starting there. Um, well, yeah, I think what, what makes America quite the unique, scenario, unique case here globally is that they really are the, the country that was born out of revolution yeah. to the empire, to the British empire. Whereas... Pretty much everywhere else was, and especially here in Canada, we're just an evolution out of it. So it's right in like the the DNA of what made them a sovereign state to begin with, right? To the point where it's in their constitution. Yeah. So it's it's really hard, I think, in the psyche of Americans to try to. It's almost like you're striking at the core of what makes them a sovereign state. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You know, I I, I agree, and it's it's really, I mean, you know, just speaking personally, I. There's something so beautiful about the way America kind of came into being and how they sort of the founding fathers decided that they wanted to um, um, articulate a society uh, in a specific way and lay down sort of immutable laws and balance the power, uh, you know, um, splitting up the splitting up the balance of power and sort of the amount of foresight I think that that took and the amount of thought that must have gone into that, uh, you know, it's just such a, it's just such a beautiful story. And, and it really is tabula rasa of countries. Yeah. Yeah. Like completely yeah. starting from a blank slate. If we had the ideal situation on how to create, you know, bearing down on 2000 years of knowledge, you know, how would we go about doing it? Right. Whereas everything else was an evolution out of something else. Mm -hmm. Right. This was literally starting from scratch. And when you think of the, um, uh, you know, they've been doing pretty good. Uh, like, um, uh, forget it now. 1789 was the mm -hmm. declaration or 1776 uh, yeah. declaration of independence. I, I, f I forget. I'm not American, yeah, yeah. so I don't I have this stuff at my fingertips, but yeah. But not, it, not the 16 one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, um, you know, that's, uh, uh, that's a long time for a lot of these rules to kind of, um, uh, 
continue to be respected and to continue to have support among uh, most of the population or or at least a good portion of the population um yeah so all right let's see in Canada, so the in, impetus for this episode really um, is well, we, there were a few shootings. The one in Uvalde, Texas, um, where the um, this you know madman—I don't know what else you would call him—decided uh, to go in and uh, kill a bunch of children. Um, and uh, there was also something in Buffalo, which happened, I think, a week before that. Do you, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about? It was a- I do, but you know, never. It's interesting that we're doing this podcast now because never. Before have I been so almost disinterested because it's happening. It feels like it's happening at such a rate. You can only mm. emotionally give yourself yeah. that space so often, you know, yeah. like it's kind of the same story repeated over and over for me. And um, it's terrible because it's a life, you know, it's a, yeah. and we got to solve the issues, of course. But, um, you know, maybe it's coming out of the post COVID world, too. It's just like I'm just focused on, like, rebuilding my business and getting back to a healthy lifestyle. Right, I don't right. know how much time and energy I really even have to put into the details because the details seem to just, you know, you have two or three variations of the same story coming at you all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, and, it, and it, you wonder, I guess the concern is, you know, that people just become desensitized to this because it's, you know, it's just horrifying to think of having, you know, you have your kids in a school and you can't get to them and, you know, there's an active shooter. It just goes so beyond the, beyond uh, the thought of what anybody would even consider, you know, well, if or, this was a seventies disaster movie, like the towering Inferno or Poseidon right. adventure, like it literally is a disaster movie, but like we're in like part 20 now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, exactly. Know? So it's the yeah. sequels keep coming out yeah. and you're like, Oh, I wonder what happens in yeah. this one. A shooting uh, like you've never seen it before. Right. We, right, we right. have seen it before. Yeah. 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 So it's unfortunate. So I, I certainly am, um, you know, because we're going to talk about the, you know, the different sides to this. And I think that, I don't think there's anybody like, I mean, it is, it is certainly tragic and I definitely can see the argument. I can definitely see the argument of wanting to ban guns and take away guns and everything like that. And the thing with policy is, um, you know, when you're, when you're creating public policy and when you're trying to create, uh, you know, keeping to certain, um, principles, like first principles that you have as a society, it's important to look at the details and it's important not to, um, not to legislate or not to you know, form legislation based on, um, you know, um, an, an emotions that haven't been properly processed. Uh, so, um, in Canada, you know, our, uh, uh, the Trudeau government has put forth or, so there's a bill C21 and it was, um, I think, Last year or two years ago, when whenever they had the last election, was that po- that was Ooh. during COVID? That's right. That's yeah, right. Only um, only he would call it during fall twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we had um, yeah fall twenty twenty one is I think when this bill originally kind of died uh, because um, uh, uh, Parliament was dissolved, and we had um, so what we what we have here is C- Bill C twenty one basically said I think originally. Um, there was um, there were some laws on the books with this bill, but they've now been it's now the bill has now been rewritten to include a um, you know I don't actually have the actual uh, language of it, but it's basically you can no longer buy it has to do with handguns mostly, and mm-hmm. you can no longer buy handguns, sell handguns. Um, uh, yeah, what I what I have is yeah. like it's a national freeze on the purchase, sale, importation, and transfer on handguns. Right. Uh, and yeah, removing gun licenses from people with acts of domestic violence or criminal harassment 
such as stocking or restraining orders. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's that sounds right. Yeah. Um, so this was this was announced by um, Trudeau um, in the wake of the Evaldi shootings and the shooting in Buffalo, uh, and um, you know. Uh, I'll try not to get too, um, you know, you know I, I find this very, um, you know, of course he would, of course he would announce it then. Um, but I think there's something that happens here. Um, well, okay, let's just, I don't want to jump around too just much. Just to cut you off yeah, for, yeah. for a brief second. It is, what I, what I disdain so much about this is taking people's emotions from like events and then mm -hmm. trying to then pass legislation through based on emotion rather than right. actual statistical fact. Well, yeah, and also the the linking of like what's happening in the U.S. as yeah. if the same thing would yeah. be likely to happen in like, Canada. Like, did we say we need to shut down our can-do reactors when Chernobyl blew up? <laughs> right, know, yeah, like, exactly. Well, did you exactly. see what happened? We need to do something here. <laughs> Although I have <laughs> to say, living somewhat near the Pickering Power Plant at the time, I was a little, well, oh, not, you, know, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I was terrified of the whole Chernobyl mm -hmm. drift or whatever, and then I was like, oh, what is this thing in Pickering? Because I remember our school yeah, went there or yeah. something like yeah. <laughs> I, I always um, drive around it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just take a wide berth, yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, the shootings in Canada and the shootings in the U.S. are uh, vastly different. We did have a big shooting uh, that happened here in Nova Scotia. Like, it was mm -hmm. the, sort of, I think, the biggest mass shooting we've yeah. ever had. And, like, yeah. you just don't hear about really... I, I, I would be hard-pressed... Well, I mean, I, there have been some th in Toronto, um, you know, in the yeah. Danforth. Yeah, um, for sure. So there have been some. Yeah, and there was the... Um, was it the Montreal Massacre? Or the university? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The, at the university. So, I mean, it happens, and yeah. just like it happens globally. Yeah. Um, but at a much lower clip, let's say. Right, right, right. Yeah, so um, anyway, so the, the idea is this this bill, Bill C-21, will be um, um, uh, posited to um, uh, to Parliament and everybody will vote for it. And, uh, you know, it will likely pass in the fall of this year. Um, so... To, so I guess to start it off, how do you feel about how do you feel about gun ownership, uh, Dimitri? Because we we haven't talked really. Yeah, it's uh, one of those issues we don't really. I, I thought a lot about it this week. I've never been into guns. I don't really care about guns much. Um, uh, but at the same time, um, I have had a chance the last couple of years to work with a lot of Americans who are really into this sort of stuff, mm -hmm. and um, the ones I've worked with um, treat their guns with so much like reverence. Right. You know, it's like a golfer yeah. in their golf club sort of thing. They go on a Sunday morning, they go to the shooting range to hit some balls, or you go to the shooting range to fire off your, your rifle. Um, and they're some of the most outstanding, law-abiding, um, uh, trustworthy humans I've ever met. Yeah. So I can only imagine what it feels like emotionally to be told. And there, there are a significant number of people who in, that, in the population of 300 million people in the States who are like that. Mm -hmm. To be told like you're a bad person because you want this gun. And, you know, by having your gun, you're going to be, you're in charge of what, ha you know, partly responsible for what happened in a school shooting. Right. That just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. But, um, to, and, I, and I love the metaphor that's used often because I, I do feel it um, when, you know, the gun is like your symbol of your, um, uh, your independence, your, your freedom, um, putting a check and balance on the state. Um, the only thing I have to say, though, is I think that's a bit of a Trojan horse. I don't think in the end, if the FBI or army show up at the front door of your steps, you're going to be able to <laughs> yeah, like, really stop any sizable right. government uh, incursion on your, let's say, freedoms with your whatever selection of guns you have. Well, you had Waco, right? Like they, they had apparently a, sort of a stash of weapons and mm. that kind of postponed the FBI going in for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. I, I always think of that Clash song, um, 
when they knock down your front door, yeah. how are you going to come? And uh, with your hands on your head or, your, or the trigger of your gun. Yeah. And like, and I, at that moment, you want to be like, you, you, it riles you up. You wanna, right, you wanna, right. I totally feel it. So if this bill passes and then they say, okay, now we want to do a buyback or you have to f surrender yeah. your gun. Yeah. Am I going to go out guns blazing just to, uh, <laughs> like, no. you'll, you'll never take my gun. You know, like, no, I'm not. I got to be like, all right, well, this, I'll yeah. complain about it, but I'm like, I'm not going to die for it. Right. Yeah. But it's like, um, but it is. But I think people sometimes, I think people in the States maybe would, you know what I mean? I, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the passion for it and yeah. the Well, it's sort in of, their constitution. It's in their DNA. Can you imagine yeah. if your father owned a gun, your grandfather owned a gun, your great-grandfather owned a gun? It does become cultural after a period of time. Yeah. And then to yeah. say you're going to take this almost cultural symbol out of my life. Right. And what does it symbolize? My freedom, my independence. And maybe family heirloom or whatever sure. is passed down it's from generation. It's striking to the core of, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But I'm um, just to make it a little more Canadian on the opposite side, like for a moment. If, if the Freedom Convoy trucker blockade in Ottawa, if they were armed with guns, would the situation have unfolded any differently? Would guns have helped the cause? My suspicion is they wouldn't have. You know, when you mount uh, a, a citizenry against, a, who's like not going to be organized and fractured against even a small number of highly disciplined uh, military people, whether it be police or whoever they hired for that, mm -hmm. you just, it would have only made things worse. So what, so I get always strike back to like what actually creates those freedoms in a country to allow these things to be, to, to allow the citizen to su successfully push back against the government when their rights are being infringed on. Is it the gun or is that just a bit of a false god? Yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah, because I, you know, you, just saying that I, I was thinking probably along the lines of you. And yeah, I think if anything, if they had guns, it would have been worse. Like yeah. it would have been easier for the government to sort of malign the people or. Yep. Um, and much more potential things to go wrong. And then sure, the yeah. end result is against a small but disciplined um, police force, inevitably I think you're still going to lose. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. And I mean, if it escalates, then you've just totally lost the whole um, legitimacy of your cause. True. Right, so I don't see it being the, the right way out of it. But that, I, I agree with you, um, but I don't think, like, I also think, okay, that's fine for, for that, uh, like, isolated cases, mm. but what if that kind of thing escalates? You know, what if you have... Um, Pockets uh, all over the country. Yeah, and then yeah. and the government gets even more aggressive with taking away rights, right? Like, eventually, like, a, a, a population might form or, you know, they yeah. go to clubs or you wherever. You can't have a meet. cop in every corner. So, yeah, you're right. You can create your own... Yeah, and if you get enough people together, then it's like, okay, well, we don't want to stand for this anymore, and nothing seems to, it just seems to get worse, so it's yeah. like, and then if you have nothing but your, you know, like, Swiss Army knife, like, it's yeah. not going to be, I mean, at least if you, at least if you have a gun, there's some manner of, um, you, you can, pushback. Yeah, pushback, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know if, diverting a bit, but I, I completely, the symbolism of what it will do, I'm 100% behind. I just don't know if the mechanism of actually gun ownership is the right thing to do. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'll expand on it. Like, good education, a strong family structure, mm -hmm. some money in the bank so you can actually afford to take time off to protest. You know, so right. having your financial independence yeah. so you're not tied down by debt. You know, I think a lot of those things, you put you put two, 300,000 people in Queen's Park, even unarmed, you can get the government's attention, right? Right. So, so what creates that mass movement? Is it the action of the gun or is it like how do we build individuals to be stronger and have more freedoms in order to be able to push back against the government right because then i wonder sometimes does the government actually think like 
you, you know, we'll let you think it's the gun that actually stops us from running over your life because then it diverts you from actually putting your focus where it should be. As a, as a, you know, like you're saying, yeah. strong family structure, uh, some uh, high level of education, financial independence, home ownership, uh, judicial system that is 100% uh, separate from the political system. Like that is really for me the framework which, which, which what creates a much stronger society. And the gun may actually be a distraction to that. I think, I think you're right with Canadian society. I think that's accurate. Uh, I think in the, the U.S., governments would think twice because I think that there are enough people that own guns. I forget the number, but so even hit, in Canada, there's that like a critical mass now, like we're just not going to go in sort of thing. Well, right? I mean, there's yeah. like, what, I, I, for, I forget the number, but I even know like in Canada, it's like uh, there are a million handguns. Or yeah, something like I that, think right? 4 so million like, people are part of the NRA. It's like actually oh, signed up. In, oh, in, yeah. in the US? Or yeah. In, so that's, okay. that's a sizable percentage of the population. And I think, yeah. And I think it's like, I mean, I'm just saying this number. I don't even know if it's right. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, 25% sort of sticks in my mind is there's 25% gun ownership. Uh, I think I heard 100 million guns. Okay. Yeah, so it's I, probably, and yeah, you, yeah and that obviously you there are a lot that, so, that have so, yeah. a, lo a lot more, um, you know, people would have more yeah. than one gun, for example. If you yeah, you're right. When it hits critical mass levels of, of that nature over such a large landmass like the America is, they, mm -hmm. they have a much harder time to contain it. I mean, to your point, during lockdowns, are the states that are, were more open... Uh, I'm going to be a little generalizing. Let's say they're more Southern and more Republic red states. I'm going to assume they have higher gun ownership. Mm, yeah. So would the gun ownership be part of the philosophical leanings of a state to such a degree that it actually was one of the elements in the recipe that allowed them to break free of these ridiculous mandates sooner than the blue states? Yeah, it's interesting because it could have been two, two different ways. It could be two different things there. It could be that A... They're, um, you know, because they're high gun ownership, the, you know, cumulatively, the state eventually is like, okay, like, mm -hmm. let's kind of back off a little on some of these mandates, just knowing that that, that um, sort of um, presence is there. Or is it just the fact that those kinds of people have, you know, they're, because there's more of them, they have just voted in parties that are more likely to represent their yeah. own philosophical But it, the gun is part of that energy. Yeah, yeah. As a part of sure. that, that the symbolic freedom, um, I want minimal government. I want my, you know, my mm -hmm. human rights elevated to the top tier, you know, importance. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe it's a more individualistic based versus a community based philosophy. Right. But, you know, you could argue what makes a better society um, and uh, trying to fix things from a community based level or let's build each individual so strong that therefore, by default, when you have a lot of strong individuals, you have a strong community. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I'm attracted to that point of view quite a bit as I get older. Yeah. And so that's why yeah. symbolically, I, I love the idea of the gun. I just don't know if in practical terms, especially in a place like Canada, does it actually do something? So, well, you said earlier that um, if you have, I forget what you said, 1,000 or 10,000 people showing up in Queen's Park, mm you know, that's going to get the government's attention. Or even 200,000 or whatever, a huge number, yeah. Okay, but so, but we've also talked on this show about um, some laws that have been getting passed recently, which are limiting the amount of people yeah. where they can protest. These, so, are, these are the Trojan horse. So is it actually mm -hmm. the gun that's going to be creating your freedoms? Or should we be watching these laws like a hawk? Oh, well, or, yes, I mean, but that's, that's the, my point is that if we start getting situations where people can't really even protest in great numbers anymore, mm -hmm. you really get that sort of diffusion of people and it's not, you don't have those pockets of like potency anymore. Mm. So maybe the idea is the gun is something where 
you know, at least if people have that, that's one fundamental right that is like, well, and again, it's not a fundamental, considered a fundamental right in Canada. I'm saying, I'm speaking yeah. philosophically, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if, if people have the right to own a gun, then maybe there, there is a little bit of that pushback. Well, a smaller again. number of, to your point, I think a smaller number of people will be more potent if they're armed versus, uh, you know, 5,000 people armed at Queen's Park is going to mm -hmm. at least be equally as potent as 200,000 people unarmed. And to your point, how do you get 200,000 people to actually show up if the weather's bad or you're not allowed to stand on the streets and there's a limited amount of green space? You know, you, yeah. they kind of have cornered off these zones where you're allowed to legally protest to only hold a certain number of people anyways. Right, right. I believe it's in Calgary or at least somewhere in Alberta that you are no longer allowed to protest while standing on the streets. So they yeah. talk about the trucks all the time blocking the roads, but the truth is it's anything blocking the roads, even right. people. Yeah. So what is a legal protest when you create the parameters around it that are so narrow you can never actually hit mass acceptance anyways? Yeah. So maybe having a gun is actually something that makes a smaller number more potent. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's something to consider. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. I... Um I think so like one of the reasons well the reason I think the Americans enshrined this in the constitution was that it was to protect themselves from a tyrannical government right and you know we might not have like as much as we might find our government sort of inching in that direction you know it would be hard pressed to you know sort of say in good faith that that um you know that uh, the Trudeau government is, are, are complete tyrants, right? Like, I, I mean, uh, when you compare them against ty like actual tyrants from the past, um, I wouldn't say that there that there aren't those leanings. And mm -hmm. I and but you know, you start seeing some of these rights being eroded, and you start thinking like, you know, if this kind of attitude, whether it's with Trudeau or with some other, you know, whoever the next prime minister is, um, or, or uh, you start seeing this kind of go down the road ten to fifteen years, and we get some of these you know, social credit scores, yeah. things that, that we've been talking about, like kind of start rolling out, then, you know, maybe though the gun starts looking a little more attractive for Canadians too, right? You're like, right. I think the, the gene for authoritarian tendencies that was expressed in 2000 BC will come out in a certain way versus 0 AD versus 2000 AD. You know, you're right. still seeing those tendencies in a modern form come out and they need to be kept and checked, you know, whether it's... Uh, yeah. Cleopatra or, you know, Alexander the Great or, you know, Pierre, uh, it, Justin Trudeau. Isn't you know, it amazing? Same, it's the same issue, right? Should, it's the same issue. You should never put him in the same sentence. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I'd I, particularly, yeah, I put those, actually, I kind of like the other two, but um, but you get my point, you know, like a Nero or something like that. Yeah, or, yeah, you know, yeah. Hitler or whatever, yeah. Um, don't you think uh, it's amazing, though, just psycho, I know you're, you're quite into psychology and just thinking of sort of almost like the mass psyche of just human beings and how this thing really does just crop up. It's the same problems over and over, and over again. And over again. It's a yeah. constant battle. So again, you know, the gun may be a part of the solution, but are we actually getting to the core issues here? Yeah. That's why I sometimes feel like it's a false God or a Trojan horse. Like mm -hmm. what is actually happening? Cause we're repeating like Justin Trudeau may just be the, the year, you know, 2022 version of a dictator from 2000 years ago. This is right. just the face of dictatorship in a modern technological, right, uh, highly right. industrialized society. Yeah. And a democratic society. So you it's kind of like you, you can't start merging parties together and forcing through votes. It's not that far away from the authoritarian rule. Right. And that tendency is there. Yeah. And you got to then ask yourself, what are the mechanisms we have to check that tendency? And are they holding up? Yeah. Or are they being eroded? Right. You know? So yeah, the symbolism I'm with you, I'll say it like, I, I love the idea of the gun. I just don't know if in practicality, in um, countries other than America, it's going to really be the solution we're looking for, mm. you know? Um, okay. Yeah. So I've got my gun license. 
it's funny though, the, again, with the differences between uh, the two countries, like I've never felt passionate about it or anything. Like it's cool. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. cool having it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's, um, you know, it was, a, it was a big process to get the license. It was, you go, um, so in Canada, you have to get a, uh, possession, uh, it's called a PAL possession and acquisition license, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's three days. Like you have to go to a classroom for mm -hmm. a couple of days and, uh, you know, you have to get, um, two people to sign off on you that aren't family. So like, um, um, just trying to imagine like being somebody, I mean, it really like how, lonely do you have to be if you don't have like at least two people <laughs> you know that can sign up it already puts you in the incel category but you know what the funny thing is when i when you i got my and get some people to sign up for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um but the the funny thing is is like it wasn't it's not easy like it mm. i think it's probably maybe the circles i run in or whatever is in probably similar with you like just going up to a friend of yours and being like, hey, uh, do you mind signing this um, reference so I can buy a gun? Like, mm -hmm. it's kind of an awkward thing to ask because mm -hmm. like the person, like I did I did have somebody who said no and they were kind of thought I was joking when I was mm -hmm. said that. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm getting one. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and he, he didn't want to sign off. Yeah, I'm like, okay. No one like, else is going to stop me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is kind of a weird ask. Like in Canada, there's just not that culture. So it's mm -hmm. like, and especially in, again, I've never been Toronto, asked to even like, know. I'd, I would be, I'd be shocked if somebody asked me. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Stunned, yeah. yeah, just like a friend of yours, just like, hey, uh, like, because you're like, well, what are they? What is what is this for? And like, to be quite frank, even though I don't really have a position on this, if my brothers were to come and ask me to sign off, I don't know if I'd actually sign it. I know because it, it's, it's like, is this a cry for help? Or yeah, like, like, am I complicit in some way? Am yeah, I, yeah. Am I aiding some weird thing? Yeah, I'd, yeah. I would. I would be frozen. I'd have to think about it. Yeah, it's it's it really is. Um, I mean, and. <laughs> It's an awkward thing. Like it's 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 but it's funny though. It's just really contrast contrasted with the states where I think it's you know I don't I don't think you even need to sign off. I think you can just go and buy mm -hmm. one. And uh, there is some measure of background checks I think, but I don't know how much. But in Canada, you, there are a lot of background. Like the RCMP investigates you mm -hmm. for like you know um, I, I don't know. It's minimum of a month or six weeks or something where. Um, I can't remember. I think they called a couple of people. They called my wow. um, partner to, you know, who I live with. So, mm -hmm. um, and like, you know, I assume she gave a, gl a glowing reference because eventually I got it, but yeah. And, and it took a long time to get it. So it's not like, uh, you know, it, it's not like there aren't gun, there isn't gun control. So there in is Canada. a registry and all that sort of stuff. Cause oh, for must sure. Be for sure. Oh, I, and I get letters from them. You have to change. And there are so many rules and restrictions. Like you can't have... So if I have a gun, um, like I can't have my gun outside of the, my safe. I had to buy a safe mm -hmm. just to keep it mm -hmm. locked. And, you know, I'm the only one who knows the combination. So it's like uh, it becomes a very, like I can take it to the gun range to shoot mm -hmm. and uh, I can take it out to clean it. Mm -hmm. So that's about it. Like, wow. so Otherwise it, it must be locked all the time. Yeah. So so it's not like it's like, like the, there's a lot, uh, you know, of gun of gun control laws around that. Um, so that's why I, so when I hear these kinds of, you know, things announced, um, you know, in, in Canada where it's like, oh, we were going to start and stop the sales. I mean, like nobody is, the people who are committing crimes are not the people who are buying guns. Like that's oh, the yeah. whole process. Like if they were going to do that, they wouldn't have, if, if somebody's planning to commit a crime, you don't go out and spend, you know, uh, a weekend, you know, book, book and booked well in advance, by the way, because there's always a backlog. Yeah. And if that person, I'm, I'm just willing the bit, uh, a lot of times they have quite a few guns on them, you know, like, you know yeah, yeah. so is it, would they have to individually sign up for each and every gun? 
Yeah, yeah well, they're probably not going to go through that process, you know. And like that guy. So then, therefore, that gun must be then criminally purchased. Right, right. Know, in order to get the quantity of guns they'd want to do mass damage with. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's funny you say that though. My my Canadian genes must have been triggering. Because as we were planning this podcast, I was thinking to myself, like, what would fix the United States? Like, well, couldn't they do it something like you're mandated to keep it inside a lock safe or something and right, only bring it right. out? And then I can only imagine, well, it's my gun. I'll sleep with it underneath my pillow if I want to. Yeah. You know, and like, how do you get around that? But here in Canada, we just don't do that. Yeah. Don't they in, this, in, in New York in the 80s to institute some law that if your child breaks a window, the parents, if they're under, if the child is under 18, the parents are charged? So there was that sort of like they would, you know, find, you know, where does the root cause of the problem? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about the same thing in the States. If someone's 17 year old were to take Papa or Mama's gun and go kill yeah. people, at some point, aren't the parents also yeah. responsible? I think that that's right? not a bad idea. You know, yeah. like if, if you're, yeah, if it's, if they're under 18, they're in your house and you're not keeping your gun locked in a safe and they yeah. use that gun to commit a crime, then yeah, I, I think there is. And you may not have to keep it under, uh, in a, like maybe a little bit like a hybrid, not quite as Canadian where you're mandated, let's say, to keep it inside a safe. But if you don't and it's used for something criminal, you're in charge. Right, right. Right. So it's the onus would be on the gun owner. That's a much more, you're talking about sort of the, the even the COVID mandates and stuff like that. It's like it, putting more responsibility onto the onto the person which is where it should be in a society you know and it's like but with, um, with real responsibility with real, real responsibility, repre- yeah, repercussions yeah. like i didn't know my son was going to take it and shoot someone well guess what you should have known it's your son and it's your gun right 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 yeah. there is some response at some point the point is if it goes over 18 and what do you do i like a, a legal nightmare let's say you can make it 21 or something i don't know you can't drink in the states until you're 21 yeah whatever the age yeah. is and uh, you know like i think the details are things that could be sorted out but it's um i think there are there's definitely ways to do these kinds of things without just saying you can't buy a gun yeah um there is a middle ground there is a middle ground so the guy um and i, I don't you know they do something on the daily wire where they don't actually and i didn't know this um but um where they don't and they don't say the name of the killer uh, if whenever any shooting or anything like that, they don't say, and I, I didn't realize it at that, and I heard that, and I was like, oh, you know what, that's kind of a great idea. Like, yeah. So I won't say the name of the guy, although his name really fits to a T, the Nova Scotia shooter. Okay. He, uh, you know, I won't say his name, but it is. Mm. It sounds like he's he's like he sounds like a horrible human being just by his name. Well, I mean, you're getting because a lot of them just want to live in you know the history books sort of thing. Like the Ted Bundy yeah, or for something, sure. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so you just did it, sir. Ted Bundy? <laughs> well, you just you just named the name. Well, I mean that one's right. already out there. Yeah. All right, yeah. all right. <laughs> this is you know BC AD sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going back to Greek history, one of the seven uh, wonders of the ancient world was this giant temple. I think in uh, what is now Western Turkey. Artemis. I uh, forget. Okay. Um, and the the point is, um, someone, some citizen, Greek citizen, decided, well, the way I'll become really famous in history is if I get known for the person to be that had burned down this temple. Yeah. So yeah. The, one of the seven wonders was burnt down for precisely this sort of notoriety. And so they made it a, a, a thing in their culture that that name would never be spoken of again. Yeah, good. Right? Yeah. So, so you know, these are problems we've been wrestling with since antiquity. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's that, um, and not to get all up on a soapbox, but there's that uh, a Netflix documentary on that guy. And I, I, I forget his name and I don't want to say it anyway, but it's mm-hmm. the guy who like was killing those cats and then he ended up Hmm. Remember, he was a fashion. He was, or he wanted to be Vaguely. a fashion model or something, yeah. and he, um, uh, and he said he was like, he did this whole thing where he pretended that Carla Homoko. He basically went to the news and and denied any relationship with Carla Homoka, okay. and 
but like nobody like nobody had said that they were in one. We just sort yeah. of did that as a seedling to be like, oh, who's yeah. this guy that is not in a relationship with Carmel Mocha? And wow. so anyway, he's like completely insane. And he ended up, you know, murdering this uh, murdering this guy and killing a bunch of cats, which is anyway. Oh, was he the guy with the bleach blonde hair? And the guy yeah. he killed was Asian, I believe. Some, yes. Yeah, yeah yes. I do remember him. And so the, yeah, I won't say the name, but I think I remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the, um, anyway, the Netflix documentary, on principle, I didn't want I'm curious about that kind of thing. Like, it's, mm. it's uh, like any of that kind of stuff is interesting, but I purposely didn't watch it because it was just so... It's bad energy, I was too, like, right? Yeah, it is bad energy. And it's like supporting, you know, that notoriety mm-hmm. quest. Um, I mean, you know, and I won't say that I've never watched, like, like true crime stuff is kind of interesting, but it's like... Um, I don't know. It, it is, uh, we got to sort of, that's one of the things we can do is sort of take the, that power away from people who would do well, something like, like this. It's like walking away from a fight almost. Like why even, why, you know, you have to reciprocate almost for it to elevate to a certain point. So you just walk away from the story, you know, yeah, just yeah. to see you. I'm not even playing with this. You know? Yeah. You're nobody and you're going to stay nobody. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so this guy, this guy in Nova Scotia shot up all, you know, went on an absolute rampage, worst in Canadian history. And, um, and all of his guns, I, uh, I, I actually, I don't know if all of them, but most of them, uh, were smuggled in from the U S. So like mm. you said, like about getting, you know, if you're going to do it, you're probably going to end up getting a bunch of them and you're probably going to do it illegally because why would you go through the whole process? Otherwise to get a gun there would be a lot of people who signed off who were really wrong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Two signatures per right, gun. Right. 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 <laughs> fooled a lot of people. Yeah. Well, it's per license, but yeah. yeah. Per but, license. Yeah. And once yeah. you have a license, you can get many guns then. Yeah, so you have, there are prohibited weapons, which you can't get. Yeah, like, there are yeah. certain weapons that, you know, it, sure. it, if you're a police officer yeah. or, it, there's another one. Like, even that's dubious. There's assault weapons, assault style weapons. Isn't every weapon an assault of some sort, you know? like There really, is. You know? And the, I think the details to some extent matter because it's like, you know, it's the difference between having, you know, if you have somebody has like a howitzer, you know, outside on their lawn, then it's mm. like, okay, like that's, mm. seems dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, I, can see, I can see the argument for... I, I can again, yeah. like you know, I can see the argument from a public safety perspective for a lot of these things. But my position is that something like, well, for, first of all, I think it's disingenuous the way this is being done. I don't think that we have the problem that the, the United States has. I don't think there's a need to ban ha- handguns or to you know fr- do a freeze well, don't on the them. Police I say think, every year that crime is going down, and we you know citizens yeah. are like, man, the city's getting worse. We never used to have these issues. And then right. somebody will come on you know the news and be like, actually. You know, statistics are better this year, and uh, it's been a downward trajectory for a 20 to 30 year period. And the average person's like, what are you talking about? It feels yeah, so yeah. much different. When we were kids, we'd ride bicycles to 9 o'clock at night. Now we walk our kids to school because we don't know what's going on. So yeah. I always get caught between those two feelings. Like, is it truly safer now or not? So yeah. I, I actually did do a little research on that. And um, because I my, my thinking was always that a lot of these problems have always existed, so that it's it probably happens... Like, first of all, you know, even in America, the chances of you getting shot by a gun or sort of killed by a yeah. gun, I guess, um, are like, le- it's more likely that you'd be struck by lightning. Yeah, it's Sorry, it's, it's five times more likely that you'd be struck by lightning than killed by a gun in the States. So, and that's not even taking into consideration whether it's, um, uh, you know, it's not like that, like lightning is random. Yeah, like if you're in a low crime area and yeah. everything, then you're, it's even lower than that. Yeah. So it's like, so these arguments that come out that are like, oh, like, oh, look at all these shootings and everything. It's like. I get the I get the emotion behind it, um, sure. yeah. and and I won't even say like I would say in the United States, yeah, that probably if there was some gun control law, I would expect is I think it's a reasonable thing to expect that the crime does come down or that gun related violence comes down a little bit, 
But that being said, a lot of the stuff is happening, like all these like shootings in the city, a lot of them are happening with illegal guns anyway. And you have to understand that you're like, you're not getting something for nothing. It's not like, well, like, what do you need a gun for anyway? Like it's yeah. that, that mentality of like, I'll decide analysis. what somebody yeah. else can want or what yeah. somebody else can have. Um, I, I, I think it's dangerous to have when we have all these rights being eroded all the time. It's like there's everybody has something that they don't want taken away. Right. So like, and I get that the gun is more, um, you know, dangerous and, but the people, I, I think, overwhelmingly the people that are buying these things like you know like people that are legally, legally yeah. just going to target shooting or whatever are getting them for um like they're going through all these steps because they yeah. don't intend to do anything bad with them and they want them for protection and I, want... I think the people that actually like, like have such reverence for the gun and like a like the care for it and the, to mm -hmm. learn and get better at it it's like it's a sport for them you know like oh, a for fishing sure. or golfing or something so yeah did you find any stats at all um in terms of the total sum of uh, shootings in the States, how many come from like inner city gangs versus like actually mass shootings at schools? I, I don't know about the US. I, I, I know um, in terms of Canada, how many, you know, in terms of the years, like how the trajectory yeah. of whether there's more or less or, or whatever. Um, but I don't know, uh, I mean, I have heard anecdotally that it is a lot more that just happened, you know, the, like the school shooting scenario is, mm relatively rare in total sum, yeah in terms of yeah. the total number like for every 1000 people who get shot by a gun in the states uh, let's yeah. say you know monthly or whatever the number might be um what percentage of that 100,000 comes from inner city versus school shootings like a factor of 99 to 1 95 90 like it's really exceedingly yeah. my point is it's not going to solve the vast majority of the problems having more gun laws right yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a lot, like Chicago, for example, yeah. is just drowning in you know um, crime right now because if you could just shut down the crime. city of Chicago and pretend it never existed, right, <laughs> you right. could actually you know yeah, that yeah. sort of thing, right? So, yeah. so you're right. So, what are we actually going to achieve in net sum by creating all these laws? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's terrible because I, I think some laws, like you were saying, the Canadian version of them, could go a long way and help and at least give people the sense of responsibility and security about such ownership of a weapon. Mm -hmm. But would it actually, like, I believe I did see, like, even um, here, the Canadian, um, the, the police chiefs are saying, you know, more more regulations are not going to stop the number of handguns actually circulating in the city. Right, right. And these are the police chiefs. Yeah. So yeah. they must be sitting on some data here, like, you know, where are the actual guns coming from? And what percentage are these guns, uh, guns uh, being, you know, allocated to the actual crimes that are happening? Yeah. Right? Are really high. Yeah. So the... Uh Toronto, Toronto police deputy chief did say that, uh, um, you know, guns that were used in crimes, uh, last year that, um, of the ones that they could trace 86% of them were smuggled into Canada from the U S so they weren't even legally obtained. So it's like, so th th this certainly seems like political opportunism. Uh, you know, you have, um, Trudeau announcing this in the wake of two shootings uh, in a country that wasn't us. It has completely different laws on this. And uh, now saying that they, you know, because I, there's a lot of support for, for a lot of people just aren't gun owners. That here. is a devastating stat yeah. towards those who are pro-gun control. Yeah. Because at best, if they were to achieve 100% success with the new rules they wish, they'll have a reduction of 14%. And the other 18%, yeah. 86% will still be occurring. Right. And, you know, and I would say that's even because, I mean, you'll certainly get people arguing like, well, even 14% is too many. And like, and, sure. you know, certainly like everybody, you know, nobody wants anybody to die. But I, you, I, here's the thing is like, 
I, I understand the argument of people who say, look, nobody should have any guns because it's sure. just, even if you have one gun and sure. it goes off and die, if somebody dies from it, that's too, one too many. And yes, that, you know, nobody wants anybody to die. However, when I got my license, there were, there were like sort of things I had to say to everybody. So everybody wouldn't think I was insane, mm -hmm. but like, um, you know, I would say like, well, I want to go to target practice. And I think a lot of people do this. It's like, you know, oh, they would like the sporting of shooting gun and say, yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's fun to do. Like, and, and you can kind of improve with it and everything yeah. like that. So there is that. Um, but it's the truth is like, I don't do a lot of target practice. I don't, I, I every once in a while I'll go with my friend to the, um, to the shooting range and it's kind of fun, but it's not like I, you know, there are a lot of other things that I would like to do too, mm -hmm. that I would rather do. Um, but the main reason I got it was because I, I'm concerned about the same thing that the people, uh, the sort of founding fathers in America were concerned about, and that is the, the tyranny of a government or the, or either that or the complete breakdown of society. Hmm. And, you know, ironically, I got this just before the, um, the COVID, um, pandemic kind of started yeah. and I was like, well, see, like when I started, <laughs> like, well, imagine, I was like, imagine if every gun handgun owner was assuming it's a handgun like you have but like every yeah. handgun owner in canada did exactly what you did like i not i'm kind of gun neutral but i think i'm going to buy one it's more for the political representation mm. of the rights of being a free citizen i'm going to get it all done perfectly legally and do what they say and keep it inside my box locked the only person who knows the thing the code is me and then all of a sudden let's say out of the you know, 20, 25 million adults we have in Canada, each person has a gun. That does have a symbolic um, gesture towards the ruling government, how far the citizenry is going to go along with things. Right, Do you know what right. I mean? They're going to like, man, the population doesn't trust us. They'll never use those guns. They'll never pull them out. If we need to bully them with the army, we can. But they are weary of expanding powers. Yeah. And... You know, and, and you, they've shown that through the purchase of this weapon. Yeah, you yeah. know that there is something symbolic about. It. I'm not saying whatever we were arguing a little bit before about the effect. Would it could it actually be you know something that would change the way government? Who knows? Mm -hmm. But symbolically, I have to agree with you. There's something there. I think it would say we have a strong, independent, free thinking, uh, willing to do it themselves populace, and we need to govern them then lightly and appropriately. Yeah, I mean, you can even look at the fact that um, Trudeau didn't actually ban guns outright. Um, maybe, and I don't know for sure if this is his motivation, but maybe there was something to be like, okay, he'll get the political points for what he did do, because a lot of people support that. Um, and look, we live in a democratic society. So like, it, like, it's not that I think, like, I disagree with that. But, you know, if this is what most people want, then, you know, that's why, that's why we, you know, you can't have everything, you know, I can't, I can't have everything that I want uh, as a citizen. I have to be able to, you know, argue my point, make my case. And then if everybody wants it the other way, then True, so be it. The like, facts have to come out too. When the, when the media becomes just a, a you know, a propaganda arm for the government right, and right. people get make emotional based decisions. You yeah. Know, the, um, yeah. Like, um, I, I wonder how much of the thought went into, um, the Trudeau government's decision on this that like, okay, we better not say like, and we're going to take, you know, you have to forfeit or surrender your guns. All the people that, if there's a million guns in mm -hmm. Canada, that's a lot of people. And that's, you know, a bit of a political blowback, but probably not because a lot of those people aren't going to vote for Trudeau anyway, just statistically speaking. Um, um, but there would be, 
the possibility for there being like a lot more of like, you know, maybe there would be an armed rally, you yeah. know, like, or something like that. I mean, or you'd you be carrying I mean, around other little suitcases yeah. that are locked, <laughs> like abiding by the law. Yeah. Um, like a, the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. Right. Yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, you're right. You could, you could, the government would have to at some point sit back and say, well, if each, each purchase of a gun is sort of a vote, how are the populace voting? Right? right. We have like 25, 30 million people that said, no, we don't want that kind of society. And I'm showing you by purchasing a gun. Mm-hmm. Not that the gun will ever be used. It's yeah. just the act of actually doing such a thing tells the government there's only so big the populace wants you to be. Right. Yeah. We want a limitation on your powers. Yeah. And we like just like an arms race, we pray to never use any of these things. Mm-hmm. But all the major countries in the world have nuclear weapons. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, it yeah, kind of exactly. creates a stalemate, you know, like a, a, a strong population is a peaceful population to a large degree. And I think some of this also, when you think of, um, you know, you think of, I think of the Russian army, for example, like in what's happening in Ukraine. Like I bet there's, you know, a good deal of them that are not supporting what's. We're certainly you, sending a lot of handguns to citizens there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem there. Um, but uh, but when you think of the when you think of the Russian army going into these villages that are like, uh, you know, fairly similar ethnically and everything. And it, it's a fairly like, I, I guess, what was my point here? That I think that it's, it's one thing to say, like if, if the, if say the Trudeau government want to put forth some mandate that you have to, um, I don't know, everybody has to forfeit their television sets or something like ridiculous, but like, um, so then worst case scenario, they send in the army to go do that. It's one thing if the army goes in and they have an unarmed population or just like complaining and mm-hmm. maybe they feel bad about what they're doing, but they go in and they take it anyway. Um, what happens if, but, but if people are armed and the army is, has to sort of enforce some, um, arbitrary, you know, something that doesn't sit right with them in the first place, then maybe they'll, they'll think twice and they'll be like, you know what, like, I don't even agree with this. And these people are armed, so it's more dangerous for me. Like, there's a little more, like, I think that genuinely the people, like, in the armed services, uh, you know, those, and police are the people that actually do want to serve, like, um, yeah. the society, right? Like, for the most part. So when you get, like, um, governments giving rules that don't sit right with them, um, I think it might give them that little extra incentive if, you know, if you do have people who own guns, they might be like, not only do I not agree with this, but I also don't want to get into a situation where, you know, somebody's yeah. armed and I'm going in there and then I, they're like um, some something else goes down. Um, yeah, it's another layer to prevent that, that erosion of rights. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's a large layer, a substantial layer, I don't, we can argue all the details of that. But yeah, there's, I'm, I'm starting to change my opinion as I'm talking to you here a bit because I was calling it, you know, a, a false god or a... Uh, what else did I say? A false god or a Trojan horse of sorts. Right. Uh, you know, good governance is really the way to go about it. And I still believe all that, but perhaps I kind of liked the thought that came out that this is kind of creates like a cold war, an arms race a bit. And it just, the tension alone keeps the peace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, I, I think that that's, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, it's, it's, it's the... Um, it's a constant tug of war, you know, like against those who are in power and those that don't have power. Well, doesn't and, power I know always like want a Marxist. to grow? Like, like the government, yeah. by definition, yeah. they have things they want to get done. And right. um, in a sense, democracy slows that down. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, so exactly. they're like, well, we just need to get this done. You know, the, you know, by the time the people vote for climate change, well, the world will no longer exist. We need to have power to yeah, get yeah. through. And, you know, insert whatever's the agenda. Mm-hmm. But the right, right. point is they're looking for more efficient ways of doing things. And I think that's why there's always a tug of war towards... Um, you know, freedoms of the individual towards efficiency of the state. Yeah. So there's an interesting quote. Um, 
I love this quote by Edward Snowden. And, uh, um, you know, think what you will about him. I won't sort of comment on my uh, opinion or whatever. But, like, he, um, I think this is a really great quote. Um, he's talking about privacy here. And um, uh, in, in the context of it, this is in his uh, um, book. I forget the name of it now. But, like, or actually one of his books. So I think he has more now. But um, he says, uh, I'll just read it. To refuse to, to refuse to claim your privacy is actually to cede it either to a state trespassing its constitutional restraints or to a private business. Ultimately, saying that you don't care about privacy because you have nothing to hide is no different from saying that you don't care about freedom of speech because you have nothing to say. And so I would say that in context with some of these rights that are being eroded. I know that it's not popular. I know that in Canada especially, you know, gun rights is a, a bit of a no-brainer for a lot of people. It's like, of course people shouldn't have guns, you know what I mean? And like these kind of arguments I think people guard, uh, sort of view as specious where it's like, you know, if I was saying like, you know, I want to have a gun because I'm worried about the tyranny of a government, right? Like it's it's like, first of all, I would argue nobody nobody ever thinks their government's going to turn tyrannical, but it, the, the oh. past is littered with examples of it happening, right? Um, yeah. We're, we're, I'll just yeah. interrupt you for a sec, but I think we make a, a, a very potentially fatal error here in Canada in that we are a new country, uh, born in the, uh, really, who came to rise in the most uh, 70 years of the most peace and prosperity the world has ever known. Mm -hmm. And we've never really seen bad governance. So we have been uh, acclimatized to being like naive to the actual dangers in the world. Yeah, you know, really, we've had 70 years since World War II of the most peace and most prosperity and generally good governance. Yeah. So to have this, you know, doomsday cloud looming over us and therefore mm -hmm. we need these freedoms is something that I think for a large, you know, for a large percentage of the population is outside the scope of their everyday thinking. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I agree. We're that's, naive. Uh, we've, we've been blessed. Soft. Yeah. yeah, we've been blessed, yeah. you know, um, and uh, that's where, you know, education, going back to other things other than the gun, that mm. can protect your freedoms, you know, being well educated and and looking at the world on a global scale and understanding the, you know, the arc of time in history mm. and power and the psychology behind this and the, the financial uh, motives, um, then you start to see a lot more clearly and you can have the benefits of living in such a free society knowing that these things are always on the horizon and it's up to us to actually protect it from never growing to that extent. Yeah. Kind of like a, like a tumor. Like, you know, it's there and you got to keep it in check. Right. You know, yeah. you'll never get it, get rid of it completely, let's say. But you're you're aware of it, you know, yeah. and you just keep going instead of like, I've enjoyed perfect health my whole life. I'll just eat yeah, whatever yeah. I want. And all of a sudden something tragic happens when you're 60. Like, I wish I had known when I was 40. Right, right. right? Yeah. That's, sort That's of, a good you know, analogy. Right. Just know that it's there mm -hmm. and you have to be part of the process and keeping it in check. Yeah. Yeah, I, and um, I think this uh, this quote by Snowden, while it was said about privacy, you know, you could sort of compare it to um, something like the gun laws or something like any of these rights where if you look at them individually, you might say like, well, I don't know, I don't need, um, you know, like smoking in, smoking in restaurants or whatever. Like for the government to come up and say, you can't you can't smoke in restaurants anymore, it's a public health mm -hmm. uh, thing. It's like, you know, I, first of all, I don't smoke, mm -hmm. but... And I, but I don't think that that's a fair law to put forth. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I don't think so is because I just think that the, you know, this is something that um, the market can decide for itself, right? Like mm -hmm. somebody allows smoking in their restaurant, great. Like all the smokers will go there. Most likely, I think what would happen is naturally, most people would just not want to go to a restaurant that's filled with smoke. So eventually... That, that can become the tyranny of the minority too, though. In what Actually, sense? Well, what percentage of Canadians before they created no smoking in clubs, let's say, smoked? Like a right. less, less than half. 
yet 100% of the clubs allowed smoking. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the mar- I've never seen prior <laughs> just, to that. This is going from, well, yeah. I, I, I know you, you yeah. know, would go through this because uh, you were. It never bothered me. I accept yeah. what, you know, yeah. being in that age group, I accepted that's what a club is, you know. But when I think about it mathematically, I don't mm-hmm. think the market forces were there. It's even though that the majority of people weren't smoking, uh, they were never strong enough to actually say, well, we'll get rid of smokers and to not let them into this nightclub. Well, I never saw it prior to like it being legislated. No, but then you have uh, an, in, an industrious um nightclub owner who says you know what this nightclub you can't smoke in but it never happened no well but i maybe it should have maybe there i i don't know did it never happen like i i've never um i i think i remember there being a restaurant once that that was smokeless and it was called smoke smokeless joe's if i got that right okay but there's restaurants that you eat in like a total darkness like those are like well like those one-off trendy things but i'm saying if 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 there if the where the where there's a will, there's a way, you know. Like there's if there's people that feel strongly enough enough. If there's such a health outcry, and you see that everybody's you know who's smoking is getting like cancer, mm. um, people are going to eventually say like, you know what, I don't want to go in a place where there's all this secondhand smoke, and they'll go to another club but if you have the other option. That's then, where it becomes culturalized. Like you're just like, well, I guess I don't prefer clubs of smoke, but that's just the way they've always been. But then, and you, then you just accept it. But then it's like I, I don't know. I I, I don't. Or to, to your point, you yeah. can say restaurants because all ages can eat in restaurants. But in nightclub, in order to drink, you have to be nineteen and older in Canada. Mm-hmm. So as a an adult, you make your adult decision. Live by the sword, die by the sword. You're an adult now. So I would I would actually differentiate between clubs because of the alcohol age limits in order mm-hmm. to get in versus a restaurant where you're bringing small children to. Maybe, but they still have a chance not to, uh, a choice not to go to the restaurant, and you still have maybe maybe you can say something like okay, the ventilation like you have to have like the yeah. smoking section, non-smoking section it has to be more than just like. But didn't you know, society get better when we got rid of that rule? It doesn't. To me, it doesn't matter. That's beside yeah. the point. Even yeah. if it did, right? Yeah. Like I like I recognize that you know I, I when I see somebody smoking now, I'm like oh, that seems archaic yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that causes yeah. cancer right you're but, riding a bicycle without a helmet I know, you know, right? I know it becomes but, norm normalized normalized yeah. but but it's bad to me that it did like it's bad that that's the way it became normalized mm-hmm. like it, it would have been better i think if it was a, i think we talked about this before in terms of like if you try to force something down somebody's throat it yeah. doesn't um it doesn't resonate in the same way as if it organically kind of um um the, sort of the change happened organically. But could you argue, I'll take, just take the opposite, could you argue then that's the, the role of the state to kind of create a new culture within a country? Like you, to take a bit of a slightly more dangerous um, analogy, like a, why stop at a red light? Who's to mm-hmm. tell you to stop your car? But, you know, we're all better off at a, you know, you say, well, you know, a car might be coming the other direction, so we'll just make everything four-way stops sort of thing. Um, well, I mean, I could make an argument with that. I, I've, I've made the argument before that, you know, that the traffic laws, like, like you see, I, I can make an argument for it. I don't mm. necessarily believe that that's, yeah, you yeah, know, eventually yeah. like, for example, like, you know, in my mind, it's like, okay, you can speed, you can go whatever speed you want and mm. just the Autobahn, like everywhere you can do mm-hmm. even on, even on, even right in front of a schoolyard. You want to, you want to go 140 kilometers an hour, go ahead. But you kill a kid or you kill anybody, it's life in prison or yeah. the death penalty. Like, that's yeah. Like that. in, 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 yeah, in that vein, like I, I am a f- sort of a free speech absolutist in that, you know, the, the classical example, well, you can't yell fire in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Like, well, like, why not? Right. Because right. if, if you're if you're caught out and you're wrong, there'll be mm-hmm. a consequence for that. So it's your your words, your mm-hmm. actions, your your consequences. And also as a person listening to someone yelling fire, I have some personal responsibility to at least turn my head 
before we all trample out the door and see, is there actually a fire or not? Right, right. Like there's a bit of that too. Yeah, so, where yeah. did that come from? That kid in the front, like does he, yeah. you know what I mean? You look down, you don't see any fire. It's like, okay, well, he's probably lying. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess in each and every scenario, you're going to have to sit there and take a look at it and just like, you know, what, what is the, the correct answer like, here? So yeah. just to, to address your, your question, because mm-hmm. it's a good question. And like, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be any laws. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's... The government's job to create laws and it's the people's job to make sure those laws don't go too far and i think that we've gotten really like you said um Nasty. we've become yeah just kind of we've we've allowed um we're comfortable and we, we let the government kind of take things away because they're like well that seems to make sense you know yeah. like well of course i of course it makes sense to wear masks like or of course it makes sense to mandate vaccines why wouldn't somebody want to be yeah. safe and you start getting these like things which are really personal choices like um, you know, you, you want to go to a club that has smoking in it, then, um, you know, that's your choice to go to that club. Yeah. Like you don't have to go there. Nobody's putting a gun to your head. And if you, if the, if, and if, and you know what, if you can't find any club that doesn't have, like if no business owner comes forth and says like, here's a non-smoking club, mm-hmm. which would to seem to me, it would be a brilliant idea. Cause you'd get a, you know, the more that smoking is maligned and the more that smoking is, you know, just kind of proven how dangerous it is, then why wouldn't you, why wouldn't there be a club owner who would do that? And then the, then, and then people would see how successful they were. And then or everything the inverse would change. today, someone come around and say, I'm going to make a smoking club. I applied for yeah, a special exactly. license or yeah, something, you know, yeah. and see where the people decide to go. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, that stuff, I, I think, I think it's better when those things happen organically and you start and we really have to limit what um, the government is dipping its hand into. And it comes back to this Edward Snowden quote where it's like, you know, just because you don't necessarily um, have anything to hide doesn't mean that you shouldn't uh, that you shouldn't care about privacy. Right. Yeah. So, so it's like that's like um, they say in communist Russia. You know, you have yeah. nothing to, if you have nothing to uh, fear, you have nothing to, if you have nothing to hide, you have, you have nothing, nothing to, to fear. fear. Right, right. Yeah, it's like exactly, yeah. like we hear that being repeated in Western society today, yeah. which only shows you how much we're actually picking up in some of this um, totalitarian, authoritarian type uh, yeah. rhetoric in our own messaging here. Yeah. yeah which so. we, I, I've, I've actually quoted that before, and it's, it's, it's quite terrifying because mm-hmm. we're just like, and you know, talking about, you know, the average person... Like we just had elections here for uh, Ontario in our province, and it was the lowest voter turnout I think of all time, percentage-wise. Oh, was it? Yeah. And so, you know, you're talking about all these individual laws, and it's all we can do to get people to come out and vote once once every four years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. then from that vote, you know, stem all these new laws. It seems you know, f- you know, just sort of propagate afterwards. Yeah. So people are really looking to to your point, like de- deferring, like, will I even vote? What difference does it make? You yeah. know, and you're lucky to get their opinion on everything once every four years. Yeah, it is good to see, I must say. Which is a negative, sorry to cut you yeah, off, yeah. which is a negative thing because then they're not putting any personal responsibility on how their own laws are shaping in their own country. Right. You can't even get them to get come out and vote for a single leader. Yeah. I must say I, I had a little bit of voter apathy in this last provincial election mm. because I wasn't really, I mean, I, I, I voted for um, somebody who wasn't one of the major parties. Mm-hmm. Uh and even that, it was kind of like, I don't know much about them. I kind of went on their website and I was like, mm-hmm. sounds good. Because mm-hmm. it was, but it was more like a, almost a protest vote. Like I didn't necessarily yeah. the, um, uh, you know, any, anyway, like the, there was no major party that was really representing everything I did. Like, I think there were a lot of things that the conservative party did. Normally I would have voted for the conservatives, but it was, mm-hmm. they're just a very like, I don't know, it seemed very heavy handed with a lot of the COVID stuff. And, mm-hmm. um. I, 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 that's sort of where I uh, where 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 well, I went. The the incredible thing here was that, you know, we had the Conservative Party running Ontario, which was the party that was responsible for all the shutdowns in the last two years. Mm-hmm. But ironically, 
it was the leader, Doug Ford, who was then the one more talking about recovering the economy and opening things up. So the man that actually shut us down was took the position of, yeah. let's get past this and open up. And the other two parties that were still sort of, you know, you know, we must mandate vaccines for all children right. going to school and uh, masking should still be, they actually became the lockdown parties. Right, right. So it, it was quite, yeah. quite, so I think that switcheroo kind of threw everybody's like mental game off here a bit yeah. like how can the guy that told us to lock down now be the guy that's actually out of the major parties you know promoting us to reopen up I you think don't he, believe anything at that point right yeah 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 exactly and the other two yeah. choices like really we're gonna do more of this you know like we're, we're done right, i don't want right, to do this right. and i was very happy i don't know if it, for me the striking lesson the night of the elections was that the here in ontario the liberal and the ndp leaders for the provincial elections were the only two leaders that were going around shaking hands with face masks on still. Mm. You know, that's quite something, right? Yeah. And guess which two stepped down unprecedentedly that night? Those two. Yeah. Because they did so horribly in the polls. Right. So right. those which were wearing masks the night of the election now have, have had to step down. That, yeah. that gave me so much hope. And the fact that I saw so many other small parties on the ballot. Yeah, so like there's yeah. actually a fragmentation that's happening within society <laughs> where people are like, we're done with this and we're, I'm willing to risk my vote on a smaller party just so my voice can be heard. Yeah. And you know? yeah. And yeah, not just smart, smaller parties, but smaller parties that lean right. So it's like you have. Sure. Um, yeah. The green are always there. And the green. Yeah, yeah, too. Um, but I mean, it's good to see fractured. Um, Fractured parties, like sorry, it's good to see the um, it's good to see these smaller parties kind of coming up, but also the conservatives still winning an overwhelming majority. But you know, and I'm not. This isn't like a right wing, left wing. I like I I just it's um I what am I trying to say? I don't have I don't have anything like I think that this was a difficult crisis to manage, and um, but I thought I found the Ford government a little inconsistent, and um, there were a few things that they did that I was you know didn't support. So it's nice that I was able to. You know, I also was pretty sure they were going to win this election. So it was nice to have the option of like, you know what, I'd rather go with one of the other parties that are, you know, mm -hmm. they sort of have nothing to lose at the moment because they don't, they aren't in power. But like, I think by sort of voting for these smaller ones, I can support that kind of larger movement to keep, you know, like I said, it's always a tug of war, right? So you've got like this. Um, well, my, my theory on this was that I, I consider myself sort of a disenfranchised liberal. I'm a very boring sort of center of the road Canadian. But right. the entire politics of the country overall seems to have shifted so far to the left. And then the parties are only about are only concerned about staying in power. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I bring like the national consciousness more centered? I need to tug on the right a little bit. So in order to pull those parties that have gone center left more back to the center. So I mm -hmm. almost see like a it's like a war for the um like a tug of war for the consciousness of the, the soul of the country almost. Yeah. So like you said, there was more fragmentation of parties on the right-hand side and their growth to me was great because it's saying there's more voices on that side that the larger they become, the more legitimate they become. Yeah. And therefore, centerish right parties like the conservatives must listen to those parties or they're going to bleed votes to that side. Right, yeah. Right? And then that pulls the narrative a little bit more the tension back to the center. Yeah, yeah. You know, otherwise I think the greatest danger is that you just keep voting for the same party your whole life cuz like, well, that's my team and, you know, I'm a fan for life and that's it. I think that's what they kind of bank on. Yeah. Your loyalty yeah. cuz it's emotional. My my parents are like that, you know. They know which party brought them to Canada and gave them a great life. But that was 60 years ago. Right, yeah. It's a much different world now. You you once said um um, that you 
truly believe, I'm paraphrasing, but you truly believe that the overwhelming majority of people just want the best for everyone. Yeah. And like, I agree. I, I think that the problem is not like, you know, because you said that everything was tilting very left. I think it, it really just comes down to a lot of apathy, a lot of things, people being very busy and being, you know, it comes back to like the media and people seeing like short clips and people on the left are very good at sort of um, maximizing that, uh, that, that medium. Well, the, the rhetoric on the left is always the more you know, like universal, um, humane, uh, community oriented. Right, right. And with very few words, you can create a, a slogan that is very hard to have a nuanced conversation against. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And therefore, like, aren't you, of course, you know, climate change? And like, yeah, I, I'm sure. Right. I'm all, I'm as, you know me personally, like I'm as green as a person can pr probably be. But, um, you know, don't politicize it beyond that which it is. Right. The hell what was that noise? I don't know. I think listening <laughs> like, to us. Yeah, it's like that thing in my car. So, the you know, I remember back in um, when was it? It was the last time. I so Morrissey is a frontman of the Smiths, or used to be, uh, and uh, has had quite a splendid solo career since then as well. Um, anyway, he you know very opinionated guy, and um, he stopped coming to Canada uh, to do concerts because of. Uh, the seal trade, um, I think that was the reason. He's obviously a big animal rights activist. You know, I, I'm, I'm a huge uh, Morrissey fan in terms of his, uh, um, his music um, and sometimes in terms of his politics, but sometimes things, you know, I personalize these things too much. Like it's just, um, um, and I, it's one of those situations where it's hard to, you, it's, you should never really idolize, you know, um, really anybody that's like, you know what I mean? Like, cause you really get into these situations where like, you know, it's almost like a betrayal, like a, a personal betrayal. If like, mm -hmm. you know, he stopped touring in Canada and it was like, you know, I was like, maybe I'll just stop listening to him or something. Yeah. It's like, like, it lasted like a week. But, um, anyway, I remember the, the last concert I saw him here in, I think he comes back now, actually. I just haven't been to see him for a while, but like, uh, for the, you are the Corey tour. Mm -hmm. And he, he was on stage and he's like, he, he said, you know, um, I have a, you know, I had to change the album cover of my, of You Are the Quarry for Canada because you can't have a gun on the, on the front, on the cover. Wow, I didn't yeah. Know and I was like, oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. So, but that makes sense. Cause I was like, yeah, because if, if you look at the British cover or whatever, it's like, mm -hmm. he's holding a Tommy gun. And then in, in the, um, in ours, it's just like a close up of his face. And I always just thought it was like an artistic choice or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's, not, I, I was uh, living in Greece modest. then. So I had the European oh, really? version. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've yeah. never, you're yeah. giving me new information here. Jason. So, so he, uh, yeah. And I assume in that one, you had the full, yeah. you know, the full gun. Yeah. But, gangster. Yeah, yeah, and he, uh, yeah. What I what I think of gangster, I think of Morrissey. Um, <laughs> Don't we all? Uh, the um, maybe he is the original gangster. The guy's doing whatever he wants, whenever he sure. wants. Sure, yeah, man. Like yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, he's yeah. he's, you know. And the funny thing is, some of the stuff he's said and done, and over the years, you're like, he just keeps getting away with it because well, he's just like he's a very good example of a powerful individual. Yeah, someone who's struggled with self actualization, but has made it pretty high. Yeah, up, up yeah, Maslow's hierarchy, you know? Right, right. It's, it's kind of, in, in a sense, that maybe that's what it, his words don't bother me so much. I'm like, he's just expressing himself and he feels insulated enough to be able to do so. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool. I don't have to agree with it. Why do I have to agree with it? You know, I always, I always like, um, you know, and it's obviously one of the great tragedies that the Smiths broke up, but like the... Um, I always remember Johnny Marr's quote, and not to get down a whole thing here, but I remember Johnny Marr's quote of saying like, what was it? Like, it was that song Golden Lights. You know that one where it's like... No. 
has some like it's a Johnny Mars song. No, no, it's a um, it's a Smith song, okay. but it's like it's a real. It's probably it might be in their worst song, but it's mm. just it, and it's some cover of like some I don't know. 50s movie star did something you know how he got into that whole of course like, yeah, yeah. and johnny Marr was like you know i didn't start a rock band so i could do these kinds of songs or whatever yeah. and i think that was like around that point that they were kind of like started going yeah, uh, yeah splitting yeah. up but like you know morrissey's always like he was so specific about how they designed the covers yeah. and how he did like he knew exactly what he wanted all the way yeah. through and you have to appreciate that like articulation sure. of like um anyway he's a man of vision and he's yeah. been changing and growing throughout the years. I don't know. I think he's yeah. a wonderful example of a self-actualized human being who's, who yeah. has struggled. He has his own struggles. And he's pretty open about his struggles, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I always uh, wonder about... Will nature make a man stuff. of me yet sort of thing, you know? Like, it's... it's it's. I think the yeah. struggle is so... It's so in your face and it's wonderful. It's very raw. It is quite punk in a sense or gangster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in you a know? sense it is. Like, and he yeah. sings about some stuff that's like, you know, uh, very... You, you have to really have guts to sing about certain some yeah. of the stuff that they do, especially with, with, with the Smiths. Yeah, um, yeah. But like still now he does. Um, anyway, uh, where, where was I going with that? Um, so the, but anyway, so here's my point is that like, that's a ridiculous law that you can't have a gun. On, and I probably originated, mm. um, you know, maybe it was like, I can just imagine like in the eighties, there was probably some like rap thing that they had a gun and, you know there's some like parent group that was like oh we can't we don't want our kids listening to that so they were like if you see a picture of a gun right my right. god <laughs> like and these are the kinds of things it's like you know we have to uh as a society be more uh recognize that what we want for laws are things that are much more broad in perspective like we don't want um like, like the less the less government intervention, the better. I, you know, as a general rule. I have an interesting sort of thing on this. Is it the freedom to, or the freedom from? So, you know, for instance, you know, outlawing theft, murder, rape. You know, it, it outlaws one's freedom to do such right, horrific right. things, but it also helps protect one's freedom from having their possessions being stolen, being murdered, or having one's body violated. So yeah. this is, you know, it's a very delicate balance, you know. Except one, I think, and I'm just, you know, I haven't thought this through, but I, one seems to imply, like, like the onus is on, like the onus is on oneself to do the freedom too, mm -hmm. whereas on the other, it's like the onus is on somebody else. True, true. So, yeah, and uh, nine times out of ten, I do fall on the, uh, what strengthens the responsibility of the individual. Right, as opposed right. to being dictated to from an, ex an external force. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, I guess all of this is just to I understand the argument. Like, you know, um, for more gun control, I, 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 I can understand. So, I think we should talk more broadly and speak of Canada and America because um, right now it's in terms of Canada. I don't. I, I, I think that it's we our gun laws are some of the tightest in the world, and I don't mm -hmm. think that we need to increase them. Like. Well, when the police chiefs come out and tell you these laws are not going to actually eliminate the number of criminal activity right, happening right. by guns. Yeah. These are the people that are on the front lines, you know, theoretically losing men on the job, men and women on the job, to people with crim criminals with guns. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to take that to heart. You do. But I think the argument from the side of um, somebody who does support more gun control laws is they would say, well... Uh, but what are what is, like what are you arguing against? If if somebody says like you you have to mandate you have to wear a mask or you have to get a vaccine, I think at least the more tolerant um, people on the other side of the issue will be like, okay, like 
we get that they don't necessarily want to put something in their body or whatever. There's some measure of like bodily autonomy. This I think is like, well, what do you need a gun for? Like, so you can go play shoot them up at a thing. Like it, the, the, it doesn't seem like, uh, when you weigh those things that one, like one seems much more, um, uh, valuable than the other. Like if you, if you, like if you're just taking away somebody's gun, it's, sure. it's not really. Bodily autonomy is much more personal. Yeah, yeah. You know. So I so I can understand people saying like, okay, even if the police chiefs are saying that, it still gets more guns out of the country or whatever. But I think that the 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 problem with that kind of reasoning is that you could sort of say that about anything. If you're you're sort of saying that about something that you don't have a vested interest in. If you don't go out and you don't go to a gun range or anything, sure. If you think that the government's just fine and you don't worry about like some future where they might be able to take, you know, they might get a little more tyrannical, then that's fine too. I mean, you know, history is replete with examples where that has happened, but, you know, to each their own. But what you're saying with this is like, not only do I not believe that that stuff's going to happen, I don't want anybody else to believe it either. And I'm going to take away uh, something that they... I'm going to take away their right to something else because I don't think that they should have it because it doesn't seem like a big deal to True, me. But if their right to something else is causing a pandemic, whether it be viral or criminal, mm-hmm. you know, um, you could say, okay, for the greater good, we need to have some right, infringement right. on our rights. But back to the stats, yeah. 86% of the you know crime is happening in guns that have been illegally brought into the country. Right. You're not really getting to the core issue. Yeah. It's like, you know, and so, so in that case, treat it like a core. Sorry to cut. Yeah, you know, I think it's to treat it like you know. Can we reduce the tumor by fourteen percent? Will that help? Sure, but you still got eighty-six percent of yeah. the tumor. How about you? How do the, we fix the core issue here? Right. Because that's going to create the. If we're all about this, that's what's going to create the greater good. Right. And if you're really serious about it, then go get tighter border controls. You know what I mean? Do something like that. Invest in technology that will, you know, um, well, I was about to say something. You know, then I thought maybe that wouldn't be such a good idea to scanning cars as they came in. Because then well, it's like, we're talking about digital tracking and digital IDs and, you know, social credit scores of all these like quite heavy handed totalitarian technocratic solutions on individual citizens. Can't we just apply those at the border? Right, <laughs> so these right, guns right. Get in with and <laughs> yeah. leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, that, yeah, exactly. that will take care of eighty-six percent of yeah. your problem. You right. know, like leave me alone. Yeah. Go to where the problem is and leave the individual citizen alone. Yeah, like you know, you really, in my opinion, you should always just be really have to make your case to infringe on people's rights, even if you don't agree with their rights. Mm-hmm. Like I don't smoke, and I think you know, when I see people smoking, I think to myself, like you know. Like I used to smoke. Hey, like Jay, Jason, you used to smoke. And I you, did, and you and you stopped smoking. Yeah. Um. How did how did that that didn't happen through government intervention? Exactly. Yeah. No. It it, it happened. I will say there was probably it probably did to some extent because of the high uh, taxes on it and okay. the constant sort of propaganda and um, you know not I don't say that in a, in a uh, pejorative sense. Like I recognize that the you know, stuff is you know actually bad for you, but like. Um, I don't know if I would have, like, eventually, I, I eventually one day I was just like, you know what, I can't run mm-hmm. as well if I'm smoking. So I was like, for me, that was the the final decision. Mm-hmm. But um, I also, up until then, you know, I would buy them and, you know, they had those like ads on the cigarettes would, would show like a, you know, a pregnant woman or like that would show like, um, you know, they just, there was one to just like show the inside of like a, a lung or something. Yeah. And it's just like, Jesus, like, I, you know, um, so when you have that, like, that, so that did probably subconsciously, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think yeah. it probably, if I'm honest, uh, yeah. you know, as much as I, as loathe as I am to admit it. Well, but it was it more information. Did. It was and more let's information. let's call it correct information. 
You know, this wasn't information that was debatable at this point. Right, right. We're like, well, you know, the yeah. government, you know, so it wasn't we're not like taking COVID, part of uh, 14% of the <laughs> population kidding. only has that long. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like this is going to happen if I keep doing this with a high correlation. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but I don't, I want to be able to come to that decision on my own. And I think I would have, like I was, I was going, I, I'd never thought I would smoke forever. I just. So they'd never banned smoking. They just gave information that slowly it happened organically over time. Correct. So kind of like the, your thing about let the clubs sort of peter out over time or right. you know, just other rules. Let yeah. it give information, but let it actually take root deeply, deeply seated in the actual population as opposed to sort of just tacked on as a new law. As of, you know, January 1st, tomorrow, you can't do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Well, which feels very artificial, fake and forced. I would say, yes, I would say that this is this is kind of the worst way of doing this. So just outright sort of stopping something. Uh, but also, I didn't like the fact that there was so many, like there were tax dollars spent on, you know, um, the, the the sort of propaganda arm of the criminal, uh, you know, um, um, like stigmatizing smoking and everything like that. And like, you, well, you can't smoke within this far of a public building, yeah. and everything like that. Like, yeah. and now I understand that it's nuanced. I understand that it's like in terms of the tax dollars, people will say like, oh, look at all the money it saved and people not going having to get cancer or whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah, fine. But like. Overall, I don't think it's ever a good idea to sort of strong arm, whether it's like socially strong arming or um, mandating. But I will say the socially strong arming is preferable to the mandating. Mm. So that's with the, with the smoking. Um, Are you happy to quit smoking? Obviously, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah, I um, I still have dreams where I'm smoking, which is weird. But yeah, uh, I, yeah I had. Are they dreams that are more like nightmares? Yeah, because I'm like, oh, like I just broke my record yeah, of yeah, like, because yeah. <laughs> it's been, you know, I don't know, 15 years now that I haven't smoked or something. So it's. I, I forgot. I remember, of course, you yeah, were yeah. such a smoker. Oh, I just smoked a lot. I not yeah. conversation at all lately. And yeah. I just kind of just thought maybe you're smoking less. I didn't know you actually. It's quite a revelation here today, folks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> Between that and the Morrissey cover. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, you know, um, I think, so the point with all this is, this, you know, there's no. Like I recognize that the majority of Canadians probably support this, um, um, you know, the, the freezing of mm. sales of handguns and everything. But they they support it emotionally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as exactly. do I emotionally. You know, right. I don't care to own a gun, and guns kill people. So you just you know you kind of do this sort of like, well, then less guns means less killing people. You know, how yeah. can you argue against such a thing? But like we said earlier, of 86%, you're not actually getting to the core issues here. Yeah. So, and I, and I think that the problem is like you have, um, you know, this is, the Trudeau government lost nothing by doing this. Like anybody who was, any of the people who are hardcore, you know, yeah, they weren't going to vote for him anyway. So he's, he's, he's not losing anything by doing this politically. Um, I think the problem is that we have to always be careful that when when the government decides to take something away from us as a society. It's a normalization of these activities. Exactly. Well, like yeah. Now we're saying, like they used to say in the USSR, if you have nothing to fear, uh, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. Yeah. And it becomes yeah. normalized, that type of uh, way of thinking. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, um, you know, and, and it's unlikely that that's going to um, harm uh, Trudeau in the next election. I, you know, I hope some, I hope... Uh, the litany of other, um, uh, but just like masking Jason, Jason, it's like sometimes like, I think governments just want to look like they're doing something, whether it actually has any effect on the population or not. Right. Yeah. Did masking actually work? Most people will tell you statistically, show me one randomized control trial that actually proves that masking works. You won't yeah. find one. Okay. 
Um, but they wanted to look like they were doing something. Mm-hmm. And in the case of you know uh, the shooting in the United States, the federal government here wants to look like they're doing something. Yeah. Whether it, whether it will actually have an effect, the police chiefs seem to think no. Right. right. What do you make of like I know you know if we shift this a little bit to America and like I do think that um, you know you you talk about and you know see YouTube videos online and I know some people in the states too who are I actually know somebody who owns like a gun a gun store mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, they love their guns. Like it is, um, they're they're very passionate. They know a lot about them, and like like you, I found that most of them seem, or all the ones I know, seem very responsible with them, and they're very like, um, take it seriously. You know, I find uh, if I can just be generous, I, and maybe you can tell me if you felt this or not. There are people that are actually quite, they don't, they love their freedom, but they also have a tremendous respect for authority. Like right. They respect yeah. the police, the yeah. military, you know, that sort of stuff, but to a limit, you know. But they have a high regard for them. Yeah, these are not the type of people that will be usually um, joining campaigns to say defund the police. Right. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, they're okay with authority and mm-hmm. policing and the arming of police. Right. Right. It's almost yeah. like they just want to have a balance, like a tit for tat sort of thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, it's I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, it's a very well. interesting psychology because in those who they say defund the police are the same people that are saying get rid of guns in society in general. <laughs> yeah. They've gone about it in yeah. a different different way. Yeah. Like just get rid of all sorts of, but which one is the most pragmatic solution? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just, um, <clears throat> as we're sitting here, I pulled up um, some stats here on Reader's Digest from 2020. But, you know, taking these as they, as they come, you know, like total U.S. gun violence deaths in 2020 were about 43,000 people in the United States, of which 24,000-ish were suicide, 19,000 homicide. So that's pretty devastating. But... The much smaller portions of the pie, mass murders, 21, and mass shootings, 611. So if you were to combine those to around 650 compared to the homicides of 20,000, yeah. you know, and what percentage of the homicides are happening from guns that were legally acquired? Probably right. uh, back to somewhere around the 80, 85, 15 ratio. So yeah. are, all these, are all these laws actually going to be fixing the bulk of the problem? Yeah. And I think that, you know, cause you could always, I think the argument would be like, that's, that's interesting because like the smallest portion of that is what has the most media coverage. And yeah. that's probably why most people have this idea that, um, you know, guns are this yeah. massive problem, yeah. uh, in, in, in this U S well, guns, guns are a massive problem, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the solutions are going to be, uh, addressing, um, the bulk of the problem yeah yeah and and you know again like i'm you know i'm not trying to minimize anything like it it, it, and the u.s is a different animal from canada um in terms of gun gun ownership uh it's just that um it's what it's what's drawing the public's attention and it's a there, there just needs to be sort of sober looks at at these um uh like every time there's a mass shooting, it's always the same thing that you see played out on the news. It's like, yeah. you know, the Democratic politicians screaming at the yeah, Republicans so to like stop letting the M- NRA influence them or whatever. And it's like, um, I don't know if the NRA is as big of a, you know, lobby as they, they were in the past or not. But like you, you know, then you get people and then you get the Republicans sort of doing this awkward dance where they don't want to. Uh, yeah. Well, the NRA is very well organized and they have a tight relationship with the gun manufacturers, too. So it, it becomes its own mm-hmm. little like yeah, yeah. tough little walnut to crack. Right. But but to take, you know, a, a gun control stance, you know, I just I don't know if it's the right solutions. You know, guns compared to cancers, there's about 40,000 people who die of breast cancer every year in the United States, 45,000 die of pancreatic cancer, and roughly 40,000 who die of gun violence. 
Right. Yeah. So, you know, so you know, in is, that context, is something you know, if you can get rid of it, wouldn't you want to get rid of it's it? It's a cancer. Yeah. Like with my yeah. my analogy before, it's a tumor. But how do we? Mm. But how do we address the bulk of the tumor? You know, from the addressing the mass shootings, which were a very very small percentage of the overall. Yeah. You know, um, infectious rate. Let's call it. Or are you going to address yeah. the, where the bulk of the problem is? Yeah. And that's where I come back to. Like I, I know it sounds like such an old fashioned guy, but like you know, family values, education. Mm. Um, Freedom leads to prosperity. Prosperity leads to you know a better lifestyle. You know, I just don't. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is a this is a, a band aid. A lot of these things that are not going to that looks good and gets certainly the politicians uh, a lot of you know um, good uh, face time on the TV. But mm. it doesn't, I don't see it as being addressing. I'm all about you know practical results. I don't know if this is going to bring the results we wish it to have that it's being sold as. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there are, uh, I think there's something to that. I think that like when you look at, and I don't know how, um, you know, if you just want to look at the mass shootings, and again, this is a small portion of it, uh, although let's look at, let's look at all of them, because I think the majority of violent crime comes from inner cities and you have, it's, mm-hmm. it's usually the families aren't exactly, you know, it's usually poverty. There's usually, um, like there's a reason why these people are are in gangs or you know mm-hmm. they feel that they need to shoot somebody else it's, you know it's like where the gun becomes more prominent yeah yeah yeah, yeah. or or like a symbol of um masculinity or something in some yeah. cultures um or some sub, sub, some subcultures but uh i think there's something to that whole like needing stronger family stronger you know role models um, I think a lot of these ones, and I don't know if it's just that they're the more sensationalized ones, like, you know, the guy in the, on the Danforth here in Toronto, mm-hmm. where it was like, um, you know, uh, of the incel variety, yeah. you know, so like, um, and just for those who are listening that, um, uh, you know, um, in Toronto a few years ago, um, on a popular in the sort of Greek neighborhood in Toronto, um, it, uh, this guy, uh, just opened fire and started killed. I don't know, you know, Quite 14 few. people yeah, or somewhere 20? Yeah, in the tens. Yeah. yeah. Between so, 10 and 20. And he just, you know, just into kind a of, restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Went on a rampage. Young families eating dinners, you know, it was quite right. Tiny. Right. And, um, and like, you know, so that's, you know, and he was part of, and you see this a lot with school shootings where it's like part of these like little, you know, it's like almost like they aren't socialized properly. Like they don't have like maybe a lot of friends or they don't have like they're very engaged online. Yeah. They have people they, you know, tend to gravitate toward, you know, forums that would, you know, sort of I wouldn't say promote this kind of thing. But like, you know, people supporting like radical action and, yeah. and, and things like that. Yeah. Uh well, in this particular case, I think there was a little bit of that incel. I think the gun was le- illegally acquired. And uh, yeah. I think yeah. you might throw in a little bit of ISIS into that, too. There was a bit of... Really? Uh, yeah. With a pinch of ISIS? A little pinch of ISIS. <laughs> well, you know, there you got what, the hot cocktail going. What? Is it, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, a bit of that. Okay. Well, I mean... So you, to be attracted to such an f- ideology, you already have to be quite on the edge as a person. You know, yeah, yeah. Suicidal and, of sorts, you know? So you get into, you know, certainly mental illness. You get into, um, but I think mental illness is like, this is another show we need to do is one on mental illness because I think that there's a lot of the things that you would sort of um, traditionally refer to as mental illness, like depression or, mm-hmm. you know, anxiety, what you know, schizophrenia. There's a ton of ton of different ones. Um, but I think there's also, it's almost like our culture has has developed its own kind of like, 
like, look, the, like people spending a lot of time online mm -hmm. in these little silos where they're reinforcing 100%. these yep. kind of radical views, um, over time, that really eats away at somebody's personality and how they, and they view the world through sort of a skewed lens. So mm -hmm. like, whether that's technically a mental illness or not, like th those kinds of situations are a problem. Like these young, especially young boys aren't being socialized in a way yep. that is that is helping them integrate properly into society well when you're the last one picked for the sports team and you know you, you, you know when you're a child you learn to you learn so many things when you can be socialized in a normal way like you get into a fist fight what is it all about how do you stop such a thing from happening how do you uh, reconcile these differences and you take these life lessons into the adult world but you've had your sort of grooming as a child where you're able to make your mistakes in sort of a confined box Mm. And then you know how to actually yeah. behave properly within the norms of society. But if you are siloed off and uh, on your phone and you are not socializing because it's difficult sometimes for some of these young kids to socialize, mm. they now have a, a, a legitimate out, let's say, and they never get to develop, to a lesser degree, get to develop these uh, secondary life uh, you know, lessons. Yeah. Yeah, like, is this happening more now First of all, is it happening more now? Uh, and secondly, to the people that it's happening to, like this this kind of um, almost uh, archetype of the person of the like kind of loner, you know, um, internet, uh, you know, I, I, sound like, I feel so old when I'm saying things like that. Uh, but like um, somebody who's just like spending all their time on, you know, um, uh, digital like echo chambers, poll yeah, or something yeah, like well, that. Like, digital echo chambers. You know, you're gonna find yeah, your tribe yeah. in there, and you're be like, "Yeah, man, me too. I feel the same. I wish X, Y, Z." You know, yeah, yeah, sort of thing. And there's nothing to pull you back. Right, right. You know? Yeah, and, and yeah. If you don't have the the sort of real world um, 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 structure there yeah. to to like kind of keep you grounded, um, yeah, you get into these uh, situations well, where there's, there's there's novels. You know, you got Narnia and the Turkish Delight. You remember the, the little the little treat that the white witch gives a uh, which was the boy that was first caught Peter I believe his name was and then he just uh you know you lose your mind you lose your memory right. you lose your desires for the real world you're actually yeah, living yeah. in a fantasy world yeah. or Odysseus on the island of Calypso right, you know, right and then you're you're trapped on your own little siloed world away from it and at some point you have to come back to reality yeah you know um, we've created now um, these little silos where you don't have to come back to reality and you can find like-minded people which may not have your best mental health interests at heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's it, right? Like, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's that simple. Like, I mean, I just think of, like, when we grew up, it wasn't like, you know, we were in that kind of almost hybrid zone where, you know, I think I, well, I was fully grown up by the time, you know, the internet came around, like, when I was in university. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I'd already, like, gone through the formative years. But, like, I don't ever remember, you know, like you said, like, it's like you learn all of those ways of adjusting to society. Like you either get in the fights or you, you yeah. know, whatever the bullying stuff, um, you know, you sort of work that out almost like, yeah. and in a natural way. And I don't know what is different now other than, you know, I'm just thinking out loud. Like I, I don't, I don't have sort of the answers. I'm just like, I, I guess a person's growing up now and they're bullied online too, maybe. You know, and how it's like, very simple. Reality matters. You know, yeah. you just, and when you're in virtual reality of sorts, which yeah. we're only encouraging more of the metaverse and everything else, you're going to, you're not going to understand then how to, how to negotiate your, your being in the real world. Right. And then you find yourself at a great disadvantage to those who are more highly acclimatized to the real world. Mm. 
and you feel even more isolated from the real world. Yeah. And you only bury yourself more into the island of Calypso where you don't have to socialize with the rest of the world yeah. until you finally, at some point, snap, you know? Right. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I'm just thinking about the, the incels. I don't know if they're really, if that's still a thing or if it's... I believe they still, yeah, it's a thing. And it's a growing thing with more social, you know, isolationism happening through the digital means. But, and I think, because I think, like, not to be glib about this, but isn't that, like, a big part of the problem is these guys just aren't getting laid, you know? Like, <laughs> is it just, the, is it that simple? Like, there's just, because, like, when you're younger, you sort of learn the socializations, and then you're like, okay, if I wanted to, you know, date this girl, then I have to behave in a certain way, and you kind of, like, tone down certain things, or you tweak your personality. Well, to look as a good prospect, prospective mate, mm. you know, you have to bring something of value to the table. Right. And if you are not bringing something to the value table, what traditionally happens is you go work on yourself. Yeah, get in yeah. shape, get a good haircut, get a degree, get a job, make yourself more prospectively, you know, as a prospective mate and more attractive. And if you're if you're not developing these parts of your personality, of your character, of your being, and you're just in your own little, you're going to feel like, well, I got nothing to lose because the world doesn't want me anyways. Right. You know, and then you're going to get into some echo chamber where that sort of thought is encouraged and, and amplified, you know. And uh, it's just not, you're not doing yourself or society any as an individual um, any any benefit. And you throw a gun into their hand or something, you got even you know it's a yeah a keg powder keg ready to blow up. Right, right. Yeah. Um, have you heard of this? Um, which the, sorry, just it just comes yeah. back to just like ill-functioning society, of which the gun is simply an extension of that. The core problem is an ill-running society. Well, I I, I would say I wouldn't necessarily say the gun. The gun is that I would say. That these shootings, like these people, like these people that are going on these. Yeah, mass but if you put, if you, no one's gonna like mass stab somebody to death. Right. So if you're saying that if the gun isn't there, then they wouldn't do it in the first place. They may do something, but it won't have a, such a large negative effect. That's the the, the number one. Yeah. For me, like the number one, you know, critique against your point is the gun is just so efficient at killing people. Mm -hmm. You know that um, if, if you you put that in their hands, it's just you're giving them way too much uh, firepower in order to enact their fantasies. So, well, look at the thing of the situation though. If you have, um, um, and I've heard I've heard this argued, and I, maybe I know that this sounds a little. Uh, um, I can I can see an argument against this, but like, uh, if you have say a school shooter going in armed to the teeth, all mm -hmm. the guns obtained illegally, we'll say for example. Um, and then they go in and then you have some, you know, they, they get through whatever like security at the school, if that's something that they even have. And then they go in, they start shooting kids. Mm -hmm. Um, wouldn't it be better to have like a teacher who's like, you know, has a legal firearm, they happen to carry it with them and then they can actually do something about it as opposed to waiting until, you know, the police arrive. And like in the case of the Ovaldi, like didn't, I mean, I don't know yes. the details, but I, from what I heard, they didn't do anything like the. I, that's something, you know, uh, I think professionals have to answer, you know, like how do right. you, how can you effectively train, uh, you know, uh, teaching staff to, you know, cause could there be stats? I'm just playing devil's advocate mm -hmm. that if you then meet a shooter who's got more guns than you and you have a single handgun and you're not particularly super trained at it and they have been practicing for six months cause they've been unemployed in their mother's basement practicing at the shooting range every day. Yeah. What is the likelihood of success? Well, what's as the, a deterrent, maybe, but right. you know, engaging somebody in the hallway and they've got, mm -hmm. you know, some flash bombs and grenades and everything else, and you've got like a pistol. Well, isn't and it better than in the other room? I isn't just don't it better know. than nothing? Like, I mean, boy, he's going to shoot him anyway, right? Like, they, I, as far as I could tell, he was shooting everybody he could 
Yeah, I, I guess I guess out, at so. that moment, if you're cowering underneath the desk as a teacher, um, you're just like, they're coming, so I wish I had something in my hand. Um, yeah. So perhaps, but uh, I can only think that then just like, if you bring, you're just, I would, I can see, uh, again, I'm not an expert, but I could see maybe, a let's say a police officer here saying, just lock the door and stay away from the person and do mm -hmm. not engage them. That will have a better rate of success. So maybe the doors have to have like some sort of like lockdowns, like boom, they just bolt automatically right. and you can't get in. You know, like that might have a better like health benefit than actually arming the teachers. Sure. You know? I, and, you know, I'm not saying like I, I think that the I don't love that argument of saying like, well, we just need more security at the schools. It's like nobody wants to live in, uh, you know, a, fort, yeah. a fortress kind of like, yeah. you know, well, imagine that's your kids first, uh, you know, experience in the real world. Yeah. But I would yeah. say uh, that other countries do have those kinds of things like they um, maybe that's not how like, you know, what? look, America's got their own thing going yeah. on with guns and like we're kind of coming from a Canadian perspective. So yeah. it's hard. Like it, it really is something that, you know, I don't I don't like that idea either. I don't think it's great to have, you know, schools be security zones. But I mean, you like um, if you if you want to sort of step back from that, and I guess we kind of can as Canadians, we have that sort of luxury of going back and being like, well, look at Canada. Yeah. It's actually not that bad here. But like, you know, if you did have a mass shooter in Canada, like the, it, having somebody who did have a legal firearm with them would have been, you know, that really is a way to effectively stop a shooter if um if there is one i mean in the rare circumstances where there is one because again these people are for the most the vast majority of them are obtaining these weapons illegally anyway like it's yeah. not like they're like signing up for their pal license waiting like you know while the rcmp does its background check and then and then going and shooting something i, I don't know i think teachers have a um have a hard enough time attracting good quality teachers. One of the fine good quality teachers <laughs> that can actually pick up firearms. Yeah. You know? So you know uh, a lot are about you, history and what kind of marksman are I you? I got the job because I'm a crack <laughs> shot. <Yeah>. No, <laughs> I, know, I, I um, agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. It just, I just, somewhere in my instincts is I need to talk to a professional about this because I just don't know if doing that will have the effect. I'm, if mm. it has the effect, I'm all behind it, sure. Yeah. But I need to see like some data behind that. Um, I would just go for a more simple answer, just and just like just a regular citizen, like make the doors bulletproof and they're automatically locked. Yeah, it's probably expensive to do sure, that. Sure, but guns aren't cheap either. I mean, a bulletproof yeah. door, bang, it it's electronic and it locks, you know? Yeah. Yes, the good comes through windows. I wonder if that's a fire hazard or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Take your chances. Uh, yeah. yeah, pick your There's poison. always something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I just, you know, if you could keep the person in the hallway, you know, and all the, where the kids are mm. locked down. I would say there's something to some sort of efficiency in that. Like we had, did have a mass shooter at the uh, parliament in Ottawa a couple of years ago. Mm. And I think it was our prime minister at the time that hid in the closet. <laughs> it was is, that the, uh, is that true? Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Stephen Harper hid in a closet somewhere as a shooter went away. Mm. So what I'm trying to say is if you, if you can cor corridor yourself off and hunker down behind something that is relatively bulletproof, yeah. you probably have a like a low cost, uh, sufficient answer to the problem. And then certainly police stations, maybe they have to be located within a certain distance of schools in the future. So, you know, you call them and they can be there mm -hmm. in like, you know, a very, you know, predetermined by law set of time, like two minutes max, they're there. Right. So you don't have to actually have teachers with guns in the school. Just get the police who are trained with guns to be at the school in a very short period of time. Yeah. And in that interim, you've hunkered down everybody in the school as efficiently as you can. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think those are probably uh, reasonable, uh, reasonable ideas. Um, you know, there's talk in the states about putting in certain like 
um, barriers. Apparently, this guy like drove the car right up, and that was a big problem because mm. it was you know it was quicker for him to get in. And um, but you know putting barriers there and like there's all there are I think solutions to these things that don't have to involve like taking away guns. Like I will say that you know some of the you know banning automatic rifles. Like there 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 are some. Like, this is the kind of thing where it's like, I, I I do understand the argument from the other side about there being some sort of gun control. And I do think that it is very dangerous if you have people with, you know, assault-style weapons. Mm. Um, like, if that's, if that's something that is easier to obtain um, um, because, because there are no laws around it, then that, that can be a problem. I just think it's, it's a kind of issue that people should tread more carefully on than I I think that they are doing now because you, uh, you just get the you know get the whole going back to our, you know previous episodes you get the whole virtue signaling like I support you know no guns yeah, yeah, because yeah. guns kill people so therefore right and you kind of create your, your your argument that way you know I'm just just being a little cartoonish what happened to the good old fashioned like sleep grenades can teachers just like chuck them in the hallway and everybody you know like put the person like you think they're wearing a mask to prevent yeah. the air like I just I never tasers. You know, like, why does it always have to be just a gun? Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe they do wear, I, I, you know, if that if that sort of got out, I think maybe that some of them would wear masks. Like these people, you see them, um, these shooters, they're, they get all, you know, done up in military garb and everything. Like, yeah. they're, it's not. This like, is it. They're, they're, this, yeah, is this is their last, their last 10 minutes thing. on earth yeah, sort yeah. of thing. So perhaps, yeah. Again, I'd just like to hear professionals' point of view, like cost mm. effectiveness, uh, efficiency, uh, low level of training is sufficient, you know. Yeah. Like a. You could maybe say if, to your point, a teacher has a gun, they also have bulletproof vests in there. So they feel at least a little more confident if they have to uh, confront, confront yeah. an, an individual. They have at least not just a gun, but it takes 30 seconds or even less to put on a bulletproof vest. It's something. Yeah. You know, but yeah, a sleep grenade, a taser, something, a relative close distance to the actual police stations. Uh, there's got to be other solutions involved. Yeah. Which would probably have a much greater effect of reducing that that 14% that we're talking about, right? And, and I would also say that it's probably something, like in the States, it's, such, it's a polarized issue. So like, wouldn't it make more sense to, for the, instead of just ranting at each other after every shooting, maybe try to find some compromise in there and think like, okay, what can we both do that we can all agree on? Like they all, you know, presumably all agree that the shootings are bad. So like, let's, uh, you know, let's find a way to agree on the method and the apparatus we can put into place to deal with the shootings, like yeah. as opposed to, you know, one side wanting to ban guns and the other side saying like, we don't want to, um, you know, you're not going to take our guns. And like, it's like, it shouldn't be about that. It should be about the getting more granular with the situation and yeah. figuring out a solution there. Yeah, I just find it overly simplified. Like, they got a gun, I'll get a gun. You know, they kind of give the teacher the guns. There's got to be a yeah, little more yeah, nuance. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, I regret in, saying that. <laughs> just like, using well, it as I'm an just, example, I'm just like, like, to me, if you're going to say the argument of like, well, uh, you know, more guns are, are, are bad, it's like, well, yeah, but like, if you, if you have an armed shooter going in, is, you know, strictly speaking binary binary question here like is it is it safer or less safe if somebody else yeah. who is a legal gun owner has a gun and i think the answer is i think yes hmm. but uh yeah I, I i regret saying it because it's not i don't it's not that i think that we need more guns i, I just i just think that it's like um the situation of this like school shooting sort of yeah. you know epidemic or whatever you want to call there are other ways that we can kind yeah, of like deal with this. multiple defense systems you know like with yeah. ronald reagan in the 80s we had the arms race of the cold war and you know yeah. created the star wars you know the targeting right. laser there was a multi was another defensive mechanism in order to prevent such you know like a nuclear bomb from coming in from russia let's say right. so you know maybe instead of having a history teacher maybe there is a cop 
who's well-trained for all this uh, in each school. Right. But just one in the office, and you never really see them for the most part, you know. Right. And they're very friendly, and they go around and talk to everybody. But in the, you know, God forbid, once uh, every, you know, um, in some, they, even if it happened once in somebody's academic career of 13 years, 14 years in schools, mm. but at least that one person was there that one particular day, and they were perfectly trained for this moment. Yeah. But putting that gun into a history teacher's hand, I just don't think, when push comes to shove, will they actually have what it takes to do what is asked of them? I, I don't know. Yeah, because that's the thing. I mean, if you're just like, you know, it's, it's like the, a nuclear reactor, right? Like if for 20 years, your job is just to sit there, like I'm thinking of Homer Simpson yeah. now, you know, just to sit there eating donuts. It's yeah. like, you know, and then suddenly these alarms go off. Are you really going to be They weren't prepared? trained for that moment. Whereas if you have that one police officer who's just like, I've been waiting like my whole career for this one time to happen. Right. Holy my God, it's happening right now. Mm-hmm. But this is what I'm paid for. And this is my moment. You know, so yeah, I, I don't like the idea of police in schools, but I could see that, you know, as more like a, almost like a social, armed social worker of sorts. You, right. you have like, a, you know, because a, a good rapport. I don't like the militarization of, you know, anything that has a, anything to do with children. Yeah, you yeah. know. But if you can do it in a soft way, that's more of a deterrent than anything. Right. And, you know, and then other mechanisms, like defense mechanisms, uh, like I said, bulletproof doors or whatever, that are electronically engaged, perhaps that would have a better effect overall. You know, so um, there are... Like we talk about this stuff, you know, even having a um, a cop in in a school or whatever, and maybe that is a good idea. I'm not commenting on that, but it's like it, it almost gives the impression that this stuff is like happening all the time, and it's extraordinarily rare that this would ever happen. Like the chances, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They might be waiting their whole career. Like we have, I you know, I was not a fan when I first started seeing police officers in our malls in Canada. Like, oh, right. well, now we're becoming so Americanized. We have to have them walking around. But in the end, they have their one little office off to the side, you know, and yeah, yeah. somebody had something shoplifted. They have somewhere to go and actually place a complaint. Right. Like, there's other things that can go on there other than yeah. just like the moment they have to run out to the food court with their guns, right? Sure, yeah. In, in the case of the, you know, the cop at the school, maybe, you know, some kid bullies another and then they have yep. to have a session with the cop there yep. and like, you know, they can put the fear of God into them or whatever. That's what I was getting with the whole, it can be a more social worker point of right, view right. almost, right? Like yeah. you're just, it's not just about that one moment with, but. When you need them, they're mm-hmm. there, and they've been trained for this. They've been professionally trained yeah. for this one moment. Yeah, you know, perhaps that's a gonna. I, I my gun instinct as I'm talking to you right now is that that will have a greater effect than you know, more gun control laws. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, it's just the politics of it all bothers me. Like when when this kind of came out, it's nothing and, but uh, politics. Yeah, I think. yeah, because we're talking. You know what we're doing right now, Jason? We're talking solutions. Yeah, and I yeah. think the other people are talking politics. Right. Like, where is the pulse of the nation? And that's what I'm going to say, because therefore I'll get more votes. Yeah. And we're actually going anything quite honest about this, going, okay, like we're just talking here with a cup of coffee. Like, how do we solve the problem? Yeah. And I'd never hear that level of dialogue between our politicians. Yeah, that's you know, a good I think point. they're just yeah. simply going off the polls and they just want the votes and off they go. And you feel, yeah. you feel better as a citizen, but are you actually in a safer position? Right. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um... Yeah. So I, is there anything else you wanted to add? Or I, I, I hope that this, I mean, you know, I think we started off this episode wanting to talk uh, about this, um, this upcoming bill in Canada. And I don't know, we didn't get in really into the nitty gritty of the bill or anything, but it's basically the gist of it anyway. But do is, we really need to? Because in the end, like I said, it's if it's just politics and we're trying to problem solve, I, I yeah. think it's pretty safe to say this bill is not going to solve the problems we're trying to rectify here you know yeah for sure not and it is just uh, overall it becomes an inf- another uh, erosion of our rights and um 
you know, we just have to be aware of that as a society. That's the one takeaway. I can even understand, again, and I hate to, I sound like a, you know, a broken record here, but I'm, I can understand the argument about worrying about guns and I can understand not wanting guns to proliferate. Like I'm, I'm not somebody who is like in love with guns. I genuinely would be, have it because I'm concerned about uh, sort of an overreach of government or society breaking down. It's a, you know, it's a very cheap insurance policy as, as far as I'm concerned for that. But like, I, I, I totally understand the idea that you don't want you know, looser gun laws or anything like that. But I do think that we always as a society have to be very careful when the government wants to take anything away from us, regardless of whether it's something you have a personal interest in. Um, it, there's just, you know, it, it's, it's an erosion that seems to be happening more and more. And, you know, it's like the frog who is, you know, put in a thing of water and it slowly yeah. heats up. And by the time you realize uh, where you are, you're burning alive. Um, yeah, and perhaps I've approached this from a slightly different perspective in that, you know, your argument that if someone breaks into your house, at least you have a gun in your in your house and therefore you know how to use it and perhaps you can, you know, um, make a better situation come out of it. I'm just approaching it like, why is a person breaking into your house? What is, happens in a society right, yeah. that has allowed that person to feel like they need to do such a thing in order to have a, a better life for themselves? Is it that they not have the upbringing they needed, mm -hmm. the education they needed? And inevitably, that's going to create a better outcome for society if we can get to the root cause, mm. rather than, oh, well, well, we'll try our best with society, sort of, in the interim, go get yourself a gun and, you know, uh, we'll have an arms race here and uh, a bit of tension. That part still bothers me because I feel like we're not, anything we're talking about the gun control is not getting to the core reason of why people are doing criminal activity to begin with. Well, you can ask them when they break in your house why they're doing it. <laughs> well, they have you at gunpoint. Do you, have, you want to talk? No, I agree. For sure, there's a, the, you know, a lot of problems, a lot of like mental illness, poverty. There, there are a lot of, uh, you know, issues that need to be. And those issues may about. never be rectified. And there's a certain percentage of society, no matter what you do, are always going to be right, right. unhinged. And therefore, how do you police, you know, yeah. society? I, I, I know, I can see that. No, I think we've touched on a lot of good points here today, and it's been, um, I've shifted a little bit. Okay, you know, yeah. Chatting with you. And um, I, I didn't expect that at all, you know. Yeah, and again, as Canadians, I think we're, this issue is it's sort of like abortion, where it doesn't really have the same resonance as yeah. it does in the States. Um, our laws are, um, uh, you know, a lot different. Um, but yeah. And they, we have a greater quantity of middle class. And that right. really kind of gets, we, our core issues are less, mm. much less substantive than, let's say, in America. Right. So it's never been something that's really been at the forefront of like, a, you know, you move into a new house. Uh, do I need to get put Netflix, uh, internet? What about my security system? Mm -hmm. That's not even, that's just a new thing, really, you know. Right. And yeah. then like, then what else? A gun in my house? Like, we never had to go there as a society because we've had a, done a better job of balancing all the, the key elements. See, well... And maybe part of this fear comes from, you know, being so close to the U.S. and getting a lot of their media. Because, you know, I'm thinking like, because in the U.S., and I could be wrong here, but it's the way I think it is, is like if somebody comes onto your property, at least in some states, um, and, you know, you have the right to, if they're trying to steal something from you, they have the right to shoot them. Is like, that, what is that law in Canada? Do you know? Since you can't. You, a gun? <laughs> you can't shoot them. Uh, yeah, see, so that part there, if yeah. someone breaks into my house and I feel like my family's life is at risk, yeah. I will do everything to eliminate yeah. that risk. And if it means that I have to go to prison, I, I certainly hope that isn't the case mm -hmm. by, by laws or actual reality and what I have to do. But you got to take it on first principles. You eliminate, yeah. the, you eliminate the threat however you can. 
Yeah, like, and I think you, self-defense you can't, like, I think that there are, you can still use self-defense, but I think it's pretty tricky and you better be sure that that person is going to Good try, luck in the middle of the night, you. you know. Like, exactly, yeah, yeah. that's that's the problem. And that's the, those are the nuances that get left out of these laws. So you're just yeah. left to be, yeah. so like, am I going to have the time to unlock my safe, load it, like do all the things that I need to do to effectively defend myself? Like, you know, probably not. Do you, do you I, sort of like try to internalize these things, like stop, drop, and roll? Do you put it like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't um, know, even know how I got it out of the case. It just I was all unconscious. <laughs> my probably, muscle memory was there. The truth is they probably break in and, you know, the, the is like one of the few things that's valuable is the gun. So I just wouldn't even bring it out because I wouldn't want them to steal or it. He's like, like, it's like, Jason, let's make this interesting. I got your code here. 3964. Right, right. All right. I'll yeah. give you five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so, you know, the difference in the laws, it's just a, such a different philosophy um, with the US and Canada. And it's just, it's actually really interesting how it all sort of evolved. But that is something that, I, you know, I would worry about just we don't have the freedom to sort of defend our property or you know what i mean like or and you know not to say that you can go out and just shoot somebody because they you know walked on your lawn or something yeah. but like you know if you think that your life is at risk or even that you think somebody's going to steal something of yours like don't you have the right to stop them like yeah you know i don't know yeah. outside of the house on the front lawn no mm -hmm. like obviously that's right you know, it's, you're no immediate threat but you know right. inside your house yeah like what didn't our, our former prime minister say once somebody broke into his house uh jean chrétien and uh, he actually grabbed them by the throat, and I think, and like, threw him out of the house or something. And uh, uh, did that happen? I, well, I know he actually did grab somebody by the throat. You know, and that, he did. And I the think the man, like, time. he grabbed like a, an Inuit statue of some sort as his weapon, or like, oh, something. really? And uh, I, I just remember the uh, the funny. Uh, I, I mean, I, I really adore the French Canadian accent, and I, I love when we have prime ministers that have French background like that. But he's like, when someone breaks into your house, you take them out. <laughs> Did like, he? Yes, man. Yeah, he was pretty. Uh, he was pretty hard ass. It's uh, quite, it's, but it's quite simple. Like someone breaks yeah. into your house, yeah, you take them out. Very basic stuff. Yeah, it, you know, there's clear logic to that. It's your house. Mm -hmm. I was talking about freedoms and rights. If it's not your own house to do wish, what you wish in your own house, they are coming into your world. Yeah. At that point, all bets are off for me. Well, I think there was a case in England where somebody, I say this, you know, I don't know, like. You never know what's, you know, I just haven't fact-checked. This was in the news. I just don't know 100% that this is, sure. like, what happened. But, like, it, it was this, basically somebody, like, was, was it was like a cat burglar, and he fell through the person's roof and, uh, like, broke, you know, his spine or something. But then he was suing, suing the, because the, the roof you wasn't structured in, in such time. a way. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, like, things, situations like that, it's like, that's crazy. I mean, you're on your own. Like, yeah. you can, that should be, like, a no-brainer. Like, you're breaking into somebody's house. Like, anything that happens to you at this point, like, short of, like, you know, if, you know, sure, like an execution shot to the head or yeah, something yeah. is, like, yeah, yeah. maybe. But, like, other than that, it's like, you, you really, um, people should have the ability to defend their, their Can own. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Are tasers available in Canada? And would I there be never, less paperwork involved, you know? I don't know. It's a good question. You can get a bow and arrow, though, I, 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 <laughs> which is pretty cool, like, or a crossbow. And I don't think yeah. the same... I don't think there are any laws against that now that you mention it. I'm just, you know, because you're talking about just, you know, very simple safety. So did yeah. you need to do the nuclear option or were there other options? Like, you know, you know, the old fashioned baseball bat or a bow and arrow, as you're saying, or a taser yeah. or something like that, you know? Yeah, I, I never really... Um, I never really looked into it. Yeah. Um, the, bow, the bow and arrow thing is kind of cool, but it's like, you know, that requires some skill. And I, you know, I don't know, maybe that'll be the next uh, step. I have to wonder though, because we talk about, and here we are talking about guns, but you know, if tasers were talked about more often, 
Yeah. You know, just like, you know, it's your, you know, it's your, you saw them at Canadian Tire. Like your car breaks down on the side of the road. Here's your little orange triangle and your flare. Yeah. You need a taser gun, get a taser gun, you know? Maybe yeah, you have to be 18 and older or something. I don't know. But at least you know you're not killing the other person, but you're giving yourself some time to escape a situation. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, um, I mean, those are other options. I mean, there are other options if you really want to defend your, yourself or whatever. I just think of like, the, you know, the main reason I got it was really, it wasn't even really about like, you know, government tyranny. It was more about like the breakdown of society. Like if we had some major, yeah. you know, if a nuclear war broke out, like it's yeah. not, um, you know, it's not so outside the realm of possibility, right? So it's like, if something like that happened, I mean, I guess we'd all be dead eventually anyway, if it was well, an actual have, true you know, basic war. Needs, but like drinking water and, you know, aspirin or yeah. food, you know? Well, I'll tell you, last week I, I felt like, or last, you know, in 2020, like I ended up getting my gun license, I think in 2019 or something. And I felt like a genius when, you know, the, mm. the you know, COVID came out and then there were all those riots all the time. I'm like, yeah. man, this is exactly what I was preparing <laughs> for. Like, like, like You're I really like called Leonidas this one. in Sparta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> training my whole life for this moment. Yeah, and it was, and it just sort of came in. Yeah. You know, thankfully, it never got, it never snowballed out of control. But um, you know, uh, like those are the situations where it's like, look, you, you hope never to have to use it. Obviously, but to, it's just like to your point. I think a lot of people were stocking up the pantries. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember being in Whole Foods the uh, you know around March twentieth, twenty twenty, when it was really, and seeing people put like fifty cans of soup in their uh, their cart. Right. You know, like so, and this is like you know. Yeah, but if the apocalypse comes, I better have some organic soup. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Because the chemicals, yeah. I don't know. It's, you know. <laughs> yeah. I just laughed, right? They were buying yeah, yeah. the fancy stuff. Right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, everybody was on edge. And I guess everyone, and to your point, then has their, their own right to you know prepare for that, um, that uh, potential end, however they see fit. You know what? And not to, not to sort of like... <laughs> drag this out or whatever but i remember you know earlier on you said it like we we've lived we've been very lucky over the past like since world war ii we've been very lucky mm -hmm. like there hasn't been any major and in canada we've been very lucky and very fortunate to not have like mm -hmm. we did you know send soldiers over in world war one world war ii mm -hmm. um but we have not um you know we've been the the general population like uh, has been very fortunate in the, that we're distant from you know just geographically where we are we've mm -hmm. got the united states is like the biggest superpower and they're right they're our friendly neighbor kind of thing uh and we just kind of sit here and almost don't can't conceive of of like a breakdown in society or can't conceive of things just going irre irre irrevocably wrong right like and um and but stuff does happen, right? Like I, I'm sure a lot of people thought Noah was pretty stupid until it started raining. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. We're living this like talking about history repeating itself. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to be paranoid. But preparation, you know, is half the battle. You know what I, I rewatched uh, the other night, um, and it, it's a great movie and uh, Deep Impact. Ah, maybe I saw it once, yeah. Oh yeah. It's the really asteroid. good. The is asteroid the one Bruce Willis. Like, no, no, that's Morgan Freeman. Um, that's Armageddon. The one, it's the one with Morgan Freeman. Oh, okay, yeah. Who, who is great in it? Oh, I, yeah. Um, the, but it's the kind. It actually, that movie was very well done. I showed it to my partner, who mm -hmm. is um, I, um, well, my girlfriend. I don't know. You know, I say partner. <laughs> it's like my business partner. Or but like, um, uh, you know, and she doesn't generally like that kind of thing. In fact, any anything remotely sci-fi or actiony, I just don't watch with her. Kind of thing because mm -hmm. it's just not her cup of tea. But um, I showed it to her, and she she was like, because I, I, I was like, you know, it was kind of my turn to watch or whatever, and I and uh, she was like, you know, I actually like that better than I thought I would. Mm -hmm. And it was a very intelligently done 
um, sort of disaster movie. Like it was very plausible, like all the steps that were taking, like the president sort of, like they arranged it so that like, you know, they had their plan to send out a ship to, yeah. to blow it up, to blow up the comet. Then they had uh, um, this second plan of just firing these nukes as soon as it came. And then they had this backup plan of putting, saving a million people that they would put into a lottery into the, the limestone cliffs, cliffs of Missouri mm. um, and having people rebuild civilization mm. like from that, if the worst case scenario happened. Mm -hmm. And like, um, that's the kind of situation where it's like, you know, those things start to happen and those events start to, if, if something like that ever happens, like, isn't it just better to be prepared? Like, isn't it better to have some sort of an insurance policy? Like, yeah, for sure. I just, you know, you got to have the right plan. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. all. Yeah, preparation. No, I completely agree. I just mm. I have always aimed more for societal, you know, change, right. you know, rather than just like quick fix. Here's my gun. But, but maybe like I was saying earlier, you need different layers to all of it. Yeah. On, the, on that note, there was um during the lockdown. Did you happen to see the the movie that I think went straight to Netflix? Don't look up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. I thought that was a nice modern take on it too, because a little bit uh, cynical yeah. with social yeah, yeah, media yeah. and politics. Yeah, it was good. It was taking. Good. Yeah. Uh, I saw a lot of um. For me, a lot of parallels with the whole COVID vaccine thing and just making a, you know, taking a real problem, yeah. but politicizing the hell out of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was, it was a well, it was a well done. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So yeah, that's it for this week. And, uh, another one in a bag, another one in the bag. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening and, um, take care out there. Take care guys. Yeah.